Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. One of the things that that, uh, that we've done is hire uh, two executive directors, one for Raw, one for SmackDown, uh, and in doing so, it allows me to uh, look at a longer range story arc standpoint, and uh, and also spend more time on talent development, and not get into the weeds as much as uh, I had to do in the past. Uh, we, we're going to be a bit edgier, uh, but still remain in the PG environment. Um, we just haven't come, come anywhere close, actually, to going into uh, another uh, level. So we that'll be something we'll do in terms of uh, you know direction of content, uh, more controversy, better storylines, uh, etc. Um, but at the same time, we're not going to go back to the quote attitude era, and we're not going to do blood and guts and, and things of that nature, uh, such as being done on, on perhaps a, a new potential competitor. Uh, it, we're just not going to go back to that glory, you know, crap that, you, that we graduated from. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting on demand from Buffalo, New York. It is somewhere in the 80s today. It's a beautiful sunny day. And we are here to talk about WBQ2 2019. This is our quarterly report episode for Q2, the months of April, May, and June in 2019, as WB just had its quarterly report yesterday on Thursday, recording this on Friday, July 26th, 2019. And I'll have a special guest coming on with me in just a moment to help us break this down. An expert in the field of WrestleNomics, some may say. Later on, we'll, we'll talk to some average citizens on the street to see what their interpretations were of the Q2 report and maybe other stuff 
in wrestling business these days. So before we get into a big analysis of what happened yesterday, let's just go through the highlights and go through some of the facts and the clips from the conference call. I've got four big stories I see coming out of this. Vince McMahon's comments implicitly about AEW. Uh, number two, declining metrics and popularity and everything WWE is apparently doing to try to repair it. Heyman and Bischoff. And number three, some interesting news about Saudi Arabia with a media rights deal looking like it's on the horizon and the big changes, finally, to the WWE Network. Uh, when this conference call went to Q&A, as it always does, uh, there's a number of questions from financial analysts. And I would say without any real prompting from the analysts, there was no mention, no direct questioning about all elite wrestling from the analysts. But Vince McMahon, when an analyst asked him about whether there would be censors, uh, there would be harder to do stuff that was edgy uh, on Fox once uh, SmackDown goes to Fox in October, Vince McMahon took the opportunity to, to tell everyone listening that the Attitude Era was gone and that they were not going to do this blood and gut stuff like somebody else's. Okay, and then um, just coming back to the engagement a bit more, um, clearly you're addressing it head-on with the big hires. Can you talk a little bit about the intended direction of the content going forward? Because if it's going to be a bit edgier, I'm just kind of curious how your partners feel, especially Fox, because the sensors are probably a bit stricter for broadcast. Uh, we, we're going to be a bit edgier, uh, but still remain in the PG environment. Um, we just haven't come anywhere close, actually, to going into... Uh, another uh, level. So we definitely something we'll do in terms of uh, you know direction of content, uh, more controversy, better storylines, uh, etc. Uh, but at the same time, we're not going to go back to the quote attitude era, and we're not going to do blood and guts and and things of that nature, uh, such as being done on on perhaps a, a new potential competitor. Uh, it we're just not going to go back to that gory, you know, crap that you that we graduated from. Uh, and again, it's a more sophisticated product. Uh, again, attracting a, a much better writers and attracting, you know, better management and things of that nature. So I, again, I said I feel really good about it. So there's Vince McMahon saying he's not going to go back to that blood and guts, gory crap that apparently all elite wrestling is doing. Later on in the call, one of our favorites, Laura Martin from Needham, uh, asked Vince McMahon. Uh, a long question, basically getting at, at what point do uh, TV ratings become something that you just kind of accept are going to decline to a certain degree and you concentrate on getting other metrics up? Which I think was basically the gist of her question. And she also mentioned in that context that, hey, look, there's a lot of other entertainment competition going on right now. And seemingly because the word competition was part of the question, Mystic Man took another opportunity to implicitly, without naming them, talk about AEW. Um, so Vince, um, one of the things you said last quarter was that content, or that your storylines and your content and loss of talent was affecting ratings. And although ratings got better in the quarter, we still have negative comp in um, not only ratings but live uh, live event attendance, and that's affecting consumer products. And, and you're you're like the best businessman I cover. And my question to you is, at what point? do you decide that investing this extra money and hiring extra writers actually doesn't solve the problem because the problem is structurally shrinking ratings for the plat that, that linear platform and the fact there's just more competitors coming to entertainment programming over, over the top. So at what point do you stop spending extra money trying to get the ratings up because they actually can't go up? What metrics are you looking for? As far as the competition concerned, 
Uh, the old adage of competition is good for everyone. I think that's generally the case. Um, although, again, we're hoping that, you know, to the extent that they are competition, that they don't continue on with blood and guts and gory things uh, that they have been doing, which would be bad. And I can't imagine that, you know, I can't speak for TNT, but I can't imagine they would put up with that. But nonetheless, uh, as far as investment is concerned, you know, into uh, uh, the product and the content, you know, it's not one of these sizable type things. It's just a more of a restructuring and, and more of utilization. Uh, yes, bringing in new new faces, new blood who have different kinds of uh, ideas and uh, and connections and so forth. So, again, it's it's just not one man's vision. You know, it's now a, a combination of, uh, of what will happen in the future. So, again, I'm bullish on, on all of that. When you look at, you know, not just television ratings, but, you know, metrics, you know, from you know, social and digital and what have you, that, that really is a new way of promoting, notwithstanding the fact that we are going to continue to build the motherships, as it were, you know, with Raw and SmackDown. So, it, um, again, uh, from an investment standpoint, that's where you should obviously invest your dollars, but it's not sizable at all. So part of Laura Martin's question there, she was getting at the hires of Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. Of course, those seem to be made uh, in response to the metrics like TV ratings, attendance, and network subscribers that have been on the decline in recent quarters. Last quarterly report, in Q1, Vince McMahon explained that the reason for the declines were because a lot of talent was out, absent, or in the case of Rowan Reigns, was out battling cancer. Variety came out with an article recently that showed, hey, look, a lot of that talent has returned in Q2. So that even if Vince McMahon was right that talent absences were a reason for the metrics being down in Q1, that talent was back in Q2. New information that WWE released as part of its Q2 report yesterday shows that attendance is still on the decline, both in North America and internationally. TV ratings still on the decline. Net w Network subs declining Q2 projected to be on the decline again in Q3. However, online video viewing was up. George Berrios in the conference call showed a slide with monthly breakdowns, not the quarterly breakdowns that we always get, but actually a monthly breakdown showing that declines eased up as the months went on in Q2. So April's decline was stronger, but May's decline wasn't as bad, and June's decline wasn't as strong as the prior two months. And in fact, they pointed out that July, the TV ratings were actually up slightly compared to the July of the prior year. Vince McMahon on the call said that WWE is turning the corner in regards to their declining metrics and perhaps declining popularity, and the hires of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff to uh, be the executive directors of Raw and SmackDown are going to allow Vince to, quote, get out of the weeds. You know, there's been a lot of press written about the sort of state of the product or state of the content. Big Variety article recently about some of the engagement and ratings trends. You guys sound pretty optimistic that you've turned the corner. Um, and I know, George, you've caveated the guidance around continued improvement. I'm just wondering if you could spend a couple more minutes talking about uh, how you see the state of uh, storylines and, and the product on, on the screen currently uh, relative to the past you know, two, three quarters where it's been moving in the wrong direction just to see if we can address some of the uh, controversy that's out there. As far as uh, the content is concerned, I'll address that. Um, we uh, have definitely turned the corner. And again, as I mentioned, you know, we have uh, executive directors with each brand now. Uh, they can go into more depth, I think, that uh, notwithstanding that, we have spent more time on uh, storylines, good ones, uh, and also talent development. Uh, it's a combination of a lot of things, all good things thus far. 
uh, coming together in what I guess I'd call a relaunch in terms of our, our content. We'll next go to David Karnofsky with J.P. Morgan. Hi, thank you. Um, on the appointment of Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff as executive directors, can you just comment on why now uh, was the right time for this move and just maybe expand a bit on what their responsibilities will be and how much latitude they'll be given in the process? Uh, the why now question uh, is a logical one. Uh, I can't you know, personally be in the weeds any longer, and we have these two individuals that will have a longer range uh, point of view and a developmental point of view. Both of these individuals have uh, extensive backgrounds in, quote, the business uh, from various aspects, uh, and with the organizational aspects that they have and the depth of talent, uh, executive talent, writing talent, which they now will attract, um, it's, it's really going to be uh, really good for our business. And from okay. the standpoint of how much latitude they will have, uh, that's, you know, again, it allows me to have a, a broader overview of things uh, and uh, an escape from just getting in the weeds. So, you know, they'll have a lot of latitude. WE has 10 revenue streams that it details in its current format and its quarterly reports. And just to go through them quickly to tell you how, how they've been doing over the last six months compared to the same six months of the prior year, you've got Core content rights, which is Raw and SmackDown TV rights, that's up 4%. Uh, of course, that's the biggest revenue stream. Then you've got W Network, that's down 4%. Advertising and sponsorship, down 6%. Other media, where they conceal the, the Saudi Arabia money, even that's down 4%. Uh, North American ticket sales, down 9%. International ticket sales, down 28%. Consumer product li licensing, down 6%. E-commerce, down 20%. Venue merchandise, down 13%. So that's 9 out of 10 revenue streams are down. But let's consider profit. NW's three major divisions, media over the last six months, uh, in adjusted OEDA, their preferred pro profit metric, that's down 25%. Live events, down 23%. Consumer products, down 9%. So again, those are six month comparisons from January to June 2019 versus January to June of 2018. Even considering those abysmal statistics and numbers that I just rent, went through. W is still going to break its all-time revenue and adjusted OEB the goal. $1 billion in revenue, they still expect $200 billion in adjusted OEBDA because those TV rights fees are so enormous. The new deals in the U.S. kick in in October in Q4. Saudi Arabia is giving them tens of millions of dollars to go there twice a year. And now it sounds like with the OSN broadcast deal in the Middle East coming to an end in April, in limited detail, we learned that WWE is looking at getting a TV deal in Saudi Arabia that depends on, quote, engagement metrics. Here's George Berrios on that. For the full year, we continue to target record revenue of approximately $1 billion and adjusted OIBDA of at least $200 million. This guidance assumes continued improvement in our engagement metrics, a second large-scale event in the MENA region, and the completion of a media rights deal in the MENA region. We believe we have agreements in principle, with the Saudi, in principle with the Saudi General Sports Authority on the broad terms for the latter two items. However, this understanding is non-binding. It is possible that either or both of these business developments do not occur on expected terms and or that engagement does not improve as assumed. We've evaluated these potential outcomes and currently believe that the most likely downside 
to our adjusted OIVDA would be approximately $10 million to $20 million below our current outlook. Yeah, so um, we just did an event on June 7th. That event was part of the 10-year agreement that we signed. And Laura, what we're saying is right now in our forecast, which is what subtends our guidance, uh, our guidance is our internal forecast, we are assuming uh, that we'll do a second event uh, in the region and that we will also complete a media rights deal in the region. And if those two come to fruition, we believe we'll hit our $200 million. Um, and what we're saying on the downside is some, if some combination, obviously it's not the ultimate downside case, but our best estimate of a downside case around either those developments not coming to fruition or the engagement not improving to the level we expect it to, uh, we estimate the most likely downside at 10 to 20 million. We'll definitely take some time to try to understand that later. And finally, the W Network launching on a new platform. We learned there will be a free tier, a premium tier, and the W Network will be rolled out in localized languages all within the next 12 months. And it's going to happen in that order, George Barrio said. The free tier is going to happen first. The premium tier is going to happen second. And then third, the localized languages. You should read an even more detailed look at the WQ2 report for Fightful.com. That went up yesterday. Check that out on Fightful.com. You should be able to easily find it on my Twitter feed also. At Brandon Thurston on Twitter. Okay, and now finally, with all that out of the way, I've got our, our special guest on here, the uh, the founder of this. This is just a regular thing that he's here because actually, you've been on I think two out of the last three episodes. But uh, the 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 man, the master with the money. You may not be an executive vice president, but damn it, you're a vice president. Uh, Chris Harrington of AEW. Chris Harrington of Russellnomics. Oh, Russellnomics I today. prefer to uh, think of myself, uh, but yes, I am currently working for All Elite Wrestling and enjoying it quite a lot. Uh, Brandon, pretty pretty interesting Q2 results. I uh, enjoyed listening to the conference call. I enjoyed kind of going through other documents. I thought there was a lot of really uh, juicy uh, update mm-hmm. from WWE this time. Yeah, there was a lot of juice. There was a lot of Vince McMahon talking about. Uh, I think he was triggered by the word competition. He just could not help himself, but to, to launch, I think Laura Martin, we just played the clip for the listeners, but Laura Martin was asking about, uh, overall entertainment competition and, uh, he launched- And linear, like, erosion, right, of ratings, yeah. just I, kind of the idea that there's less people who are, and any popular show here has kind of less people watching than 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I think really her question was about, you know, I, you know, you're doing all this stuff, you're hiring people, you're hiring Heyman and, and Bischoff to, to be executive directors. Uh, but at, and TV ratings are down, but at what point do you, do you kind of like, I, I don't know, I guess you're saying like make TV ratings less of a priority and, and are there other metrics that you're concerned with? Because, you know, in the, in the world of TV, there's so many, there's so much competition for people's entertainment. And, uh, this, this allowed him to launch into his, uh, another segment where he talked about, uh, blood and guts and gore and things of that nature. And, and hopefully I can't imagine TNT standing for it. Well, you said to me when that happened, you said, uh, I can already see how people are going to misquote Vince about the Attitude Era piece and other things where they're, he's talking about these things and he's going to put it in one context. Actually, it might have been Voices of Wrestling who said it, but just about how he, he was commenting on, were we going back away from a PG rating? Were we going back to Attitude Era type approaches? And, and he gave this whole thought and... You know, Vince McMahon's comments always disproportionately resonate throughout the Twitter sphere. 
And I thought this was a call where he exponentially kind of uh, up that with kind of commenting straight on about a competitor and then later talking about a competitor on TNT. So it seemed pretty clear he was referring to AEW in that. Yeah, especially when he mentioned TNT. Uh, we usually don't hear that much from Vince at times. A lot of times this is just a George Barrios PowerPoint presentation with, with him. Do you think this is Vince actually having watched something AEW did, or do you think this is the secondhand Vince that we've heard of, you know, where he had this vision of MMA being one way because he had seen something or heard something. And so that became his vision of MMA forever. I think, I don't think Vince has sat down and watched one of the three AEW shows. Uh, I think probably somebody has showed him a clip of it or he's seen pictures of it. Do you think he's a PWI subscriber and saw the the uh, cover photo with a a very bloody Dustin Reynolds, Dustin Rhodes uh, wrestling his brother Cody? Uh, I I think he just works out and um I don't know uh, goes to meetings all day. I don't think he's uh, he may subscribe to the PWI, especially for that PWI 500 issue that should be coming out sometime this summer. And I know I know he puts a lot of weight into that, into you know talent development and whatnot. But no, I I don't know. Was it was that on the cover? Cody and uh, and Dustin, it absolutely was with all and, the blood uh, on the cover. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, you know, I think they wanted to be very sensitive to understanding whether or not mass retailers would be comfortable with so much blood on the cover. Hmm. But um, in the end, PWI made the choice to print that photo, and uh, I think we're really satisfied, of course, to be you know part of uh, such an important magazine and and piece of of wrestling history. And uh, I watched that match live i watched that match on tape and uh it's a memorable match it's a memorable moment and uh dustin still got it i'll say that much mm-hmm. so an- another big thing that i thought coming out of that i don't know is there anything else that needs to be said about that but about, about uh but AEW and, and Vince you know Man's it's comments there? It, i think it's i think it's very clear that um you know AEW is on his radar and uh i think that it's exciting to know that wrestling has so many interesting things going on right now. And so I don't know whether it was the Dustin match or whether it was, you know, Moxley, his former superstar wrestling in a very unorthodox match versus what he did in WWE with that match he did with Joy Janela at a fighter fest. Yeah. So I I think what may have also constructed that narrative for Vince is seeing, you know, what, what Dean Ambrose is doing and and seeing his first match in the other company being barbed wire and thumbtacks and Joy Janela stomping around barefoot and, and thumbtacks and things like that. Yeah. Um, oh, here's a good question for somebody who's been covering WWE in, uh, quarterly reports and conference calls for many, many years, more years than I have. Has has Vince McMahon or has WWE ever so acknowledged another wrestling company as they as they did yesterday? Um, my time of watching or, or really following these WWE conference calls probably goes from the early 2000s until now. But when Obviously, I say early 2000s, w- I'm thinking like 2005 yeah. through now. Like WCW was named in the prospectus in 1999. So yeah, yeah. So there, I mean, obviously there's been times, but my point is that I don't re, I didn't listen to the conference calls between 1999 and 2002 when we would have had much more of a, you know, a WCW or ECW world. I, I of course remember, um, the days of the ECW re- revival and things of that nature, where there was kind of a little bit of those kind of talks. I don't recall TNA impact no. being brought up. I guess that's what I'm seriously. getting. Seriously. They ever mentioned TNA in, in the, at the height have of they TNA ever, ever mentioned? I'm positive they have because I'm positive that one of the, um, uh, analysts have said 
what do you think about companies such as blank doing blank, mm. you know, or what do you think of, um, spike or, or Fox FS one, or, you know, some, some other company being named. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, UFC has been mentioned numerous, numerous times by, uh, people at both investment conferences and other things. If anything, that's that's the more common comparison, right? Very, very rarely is someone ever actually asking about um, things. New Japan has definitely come up at least once um, in reference to things, I believe, about either their streaming service or Chris Jericho working there or just or New Japan touring the U.S. Um, and usually, you know, what what is uh, Barrios' stock answer? Their competition is, is anything. It's Fortnite. It's Netflix. It's sleep. Sleep is definitely Vince McMahon's enemy. It's anything. Yeah. It, it is the ongoing war Netflix. For, for, for time and your attention span. Speaking of Netflix, they announced they're going to be part of a Netflix movie. Did you catch That's that? Right. The main event, a family live action film, feature film on Netflix in 2020. Yeah. One, of the, one of the many but, little tidbits there. Yeah. So that can go down with the uh, made for TV movie with starring The Miz and uh, as one of their other projects that's probably going to end up being pretty profitable for them. So, uh, you know, for all the flack I've ever thrown at WWE films, here's the opportunity to kind of see what their new revised strategy involves. And it looks like, you know, getting Netflix distribution is a big deal. Now, I don't know whether it's a profitable deal, but I know it's a big deal. Uh, so that's really interesting to me. Uh, it's just one of the things. And of course, all of their announcements about the WWE network kind of retooling the fact that they acknowledge they'll do a, a free tier. I think they refer to it as a premium tier, which kind of raises that question of is there a regular tier and a premium tier or is there just a free tier and a premium tier my, and my then also was, localization my reading was three tiers a, a free tier the standard 999 tier that exists now and then an additional tier uh higher you know 15 dollars per month or something like that that's that's what i understood it as Yes, yes. I think um, that will be really interesting to see how that's rolled out and, and kind of what innovation happens there. Um, certainly, that is a huge area for them to see some big increases on. And I think in one of your graphs, you kind of showed how uh, this was a year where they didn't seem to really grow their WWE Network uh, number in their post-WrestleMania period quite the way they had in the past, correct? Right. WrestleMania this year compared to last year, paid subscribers down 6%. Uh, Q2 this year compared to Q2 last year, down 6%. Q3, their projection is uh, 1.53 million paid subscribers for Q3. Uh, compared to Q3 of last year, that would be down 8%. And, and at one point, Barrios even said something about, we no longer are projecting that we will have record subscribers for the year, I thought he said. Yeah, he something did. of that nature. He did. And I, and I think that relates to something I, I, I went through earlier here in this recording, is that there's 10 revenue streams right, that WWE gives us in their current trending schedules, let's say, or in their quarterly reports. And uh, only one of them, or in the, so in the quarterly report, because this is Q2, there's a six-month comparison, right, from June to, or from January to June of this year compared to January of June of last year. And out of those 10 revenue streams, nine of them are in a negative comparison, and only one of them is in a positive comparison. Can you guess which one? Of those 10, media rights. Yeah. Core content rights for Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. And and because nine out of ten were down, their stock plummeted, right? No, no, they've turned the corner. The stock price was up like eight percent yesterday. I don't know. What yeah, I, th I thought that was the most interesting kind of. Um, you want to talk about how stock price is not intricately 
uh, correlated with necessarily the the metrics, but rather with the expectations, right? Yeah. Well, it, that, the, the big financial picture is still okay. They're still projecting two hundred million dollars in adjusted OEBDA and one billion dollars in revenue, because their you know, Q four is probably going to be huge because it's going to uh, have the new TV rights deal for the first time in Q four because that starts right at the beginning in October, and they're going to get probably a lot of money from Saudi Arabia and we should talk about that in some detail because that was really confusing what they were talking did, about there. Yeah, did you did you think they had some interesting KG language around their Saudi Arabia deal here where I, I've been thinking about it a lot because they even mentioned in in kind of the strangest language I've seen in a while about how they might have to do a reversal for Q2 and then take it in Q4. Am I getting that right? Yeah, maybe I'll pull up the, uh, the 8K in a second. But so George Berrios talks about how, uh, you know, these financial projections for $1 billion in revenue, for $200 billion in adjusted OEBDA. It depends on, give or take, 10 to $20 million on Saudi Arabia live event happening, probably in... in I and that's 10 to $20 million of OEBDA, which is, yes. you know, kind of closer to a profit metric. So we're saying yes. 10 to $20 million after you've dealt with the cost, meaning revenue side, maybe that's 40 or $50 million, and then you're spending... 30 million on costs or whatever that number is. I don't, I don't know the true numbers, but just kind of that. It, I think that, that, that's what shocked me was we're talking profit 10 to 20 million, not just revenue 20, 10 to 20 million. Yeah. And so what that depends on is live event happening in Riyadh, which that's what the schedule, uh, from the New Jersey court shows is Riyadh, I think in November 1st, I think is, is the plan. And, uh, but also this is news, uh, a, a Middle East, an M-E-N-A is, is their new code word, Middle East and North Africa, but an M-E-N-A media rights deal, it, it sounds like through the Saudi government, uh, because... So, so you don't think that includes the India deal? No, I don't think it includes the India deal. Okay. I, that, no. Yeah, it, it sounded like, yes, it was there. And then what was strange was they, they put in the, in, um, the conference call notes, the invest, the, uh, whatever you want to call it, the conference call presentation. Mm -hmm. They mentioned, quote, this deal is not like finalized and could possibly change. And I wondered almost if that was like an auditor came to them and basically said, Hey, you can't continue to portray this deal as definitely happening because you don't have a 100% guarantee from the Saudi Arabian government or whether Saudi Arabia said, Hey, we're rethinking the economics of this deal because you didn't meet certain metrics. And that's why there's a revenue reversal going on. And, you know, they didn't necessarily deliver the way they thought they would or whether it, it means something else. It was really interesting to me. And it, it depends, th those deals being finalized and, and W getting that money, they said depends on engagement metrics being improved. I, I no idea what that means. What does that mean? Like attendance to, to the Saudi Arabia events, television viewership, social media or digital activity. It, it was, there weren't really, maybe it's, maybe it's fan trip, maybe a, a tourist booking to go to Jeddah. Mm. Uh, after seeing the the promo packages, well, there's there's a lot of traveling wrestling fans. That's one of the big phenomenons in in wrestling uh, uh, history over the last five years is the traveling wrestling fans. So maybe we'll see some traveling wrestling fans. Maybe we'll sell some of those WWE travel packages that we see un unpacked in the WWE quarterly reports to go to to Jeddah or to Riyadh for one of these. Uh, I can say nothing but wonderful things about the value of a traveling wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah. So let's read this quote that that's in the press release. Written uh, as as George Barrios's quote here in the quarter, our earnings exceeded guidance. However, we anticipate a portion of this to reverse, and we continue to target it full year adjusted OEBITDA of at least two hundred million. Uh, the guidance presupposes the staging of a second large scale international event and the completion of a media rights deal in the MENA region. As we optimize near term results, we will continue to focus on content creation 
and localization, digitalization, including the evolution of uh, the W network to drive long-term growth. Were you impressed or unimpressed with the argument that, look, our ratings decline is lower year over year than it was last quarter, and therefore we are showing improvement in our metrics? For for Q2? Yeah. Um, not not impressed. I mean, I they, they showed these bars. I, Barrios did an, another version of his Barrios anomics that we see we've seen in the last few quarters, where basically he showed that look, it, yeah, April's year over year decline was was kind of bad. Uh, May's year over year decline wasn't as bad, and then June's year over year decline was even less bad. And then they also pointed out because I re-listened to it this morning, July they said was like up two percent for TV ratings. Yeah, so so they did the same thing they did when the Raw reunion had happened or the Raw homecoming or whatever it was for the 25th special mm-hmm. where, you know, they wanted to make basically make a big claim. And, you know, when it's very beneficial, of course, you know, you want to spin it. And so you, of course, want to remind people. I do think it's very valuable to kind of say, let's not look at the quarter as a whole. Let's look at it by month. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, for me, I would always say if you want to look at it by month, you should look at it by month every year. You can't just do that when it's good for you. You should always be giving us month by month. And heck, I would be thrilled if we had month by month attendance, month by month uh, television, month by month everything else. And if you go back to the old KPIs, people might say, hey, Chris, that's unrealistic for you to ask. Well, if you actually go back to the KPIs of the mid-2000s, that's exactly what they used to do. They used to actually be updated KPIs almost weekly. Um, with pay-per-view buys, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you could have this fun little game where you could take out your Adobe, X, Adobe uh, uh, Pro and you could do measurements on these lines to try to triangulate what what was the actual buys for different things and look at kind of how late period buys affected things. Because they used to give you a report that would say, like, SummerSlam did 300,000 buys. We also recorded 30,000 late period buys. And you wouldn't know what pay-per-views those late period buys were for. But you could go to the KPI, you could look at the dots, and you could see where the dot moved from the week before. And you could, uh, you know, have a, a normal marketing job, say, somewhere else. And instead of doing your marketing job, you could spend hours and hours looking at these things and printing them out and, and, and making them big and using Microsoft Paint to measure things and then uh, develop an entire podcast just about talking about that kind of junk. That's right. You could do that hypothetically. That sounds like a great investment, actually. <laughs> I, I still use Microsoft Paint. What's wrong with Microsoft Paint? I but- love my Microsoft Paint. That is, I was very upset when I heard it might be going away. And, uh, you know, I, I fought it tooth and nail and brought it back for us all. But to be charitable to George Berrios in this slide, which uh, you can find on the W Corporate website, and it's it's pasted in, into my uh, Fightful article, actually. You, you can find it there. Um, it does compare Raw and SmackDown's declines to the top 25 cable declines. And uh, April, Raw and SmackDown are doing worse than top 25 cable. Uh, in May, they're doing about the same as top 25 cable. And then in June... Raw is doing worse than tw- top 25, but SmackDown is doing the same, both down 7%. So I, I, I guess that's the barometer to, to weigh it against, I think, is like, how, how bad are we doing? Well, how bad is everybody else doing? And you, you are, they are doing, you know, worse than average most of the time, except for they, they did say in July. And, you know, they have the, the Raw reunion show, which did really well uh, for viewership. So. It mentions in the notes that the number of homes getting um, USA is somewhere around 90 million homes, I want to say, either 89 or 90 million, maybe 91. And then that the total world of homes for something like Fox is closer to 120 million. So there's a little note here about how it's 33% up 
yeah. um, once you get into Fox. Uh, Brandon, you did some calculations trying to to guesstimate what might a SmackDown on Fox rating look like. And what numbers did you get to in terms of millions of people? It'd be nice if I had that spreadsheet open. Um, what, what did I, I came up with, uh, as, as I pulled 2.4, 2.5, 2.6 million, somewhere in that range, I want to say. Yeah, a, a, little, a little bit higher than what they're doing now. It wasn't dramatically, uh, bigger. So what, what I, what I factored in here was not just that, um, you know, it's, they're in 30 some odd percent more homes, but let's think about who's actually going to turn their TV on right now and easily point their, their TV to Fox. So I, so my point is, imagine, you know, there may, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening who fit this description. You have a TV, you're not a, a pay uh, TV subscriber, you're not a cable or satellite subscriber, you just watch Netflix and the W Network and YouTube on your TV or whatever, and uh, you don't have an antenna set up, there's nothing on broadcast TV uh, linear that, that you watch, so you're not going to turn on Fox uh, unless you go through the trouble, the friction of going and getting over the air antenna, setting it up, figuring out how to make it work. So I found some data. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead. Fin finish your calculation. Well, I didn't really know where I was going, but okay. So I found some data that, that told me, uh, non paid TV households with an antenna is about 16 million. So I factored that in and, and then I, I came up with this number. Uh, I found also this number saying that, okay, pay TV households that, you know, if you're a pay TV household, you've probably got Fox. So that's 94 million people with pay TV. Add that into 16 million people who are using an antenna. Uh, but don't have pay TV. That gives us a total of 110 million households, which I, I which I call air quotes immediate access Fox households. So that makes the percentage difference between USA Network and Fox 22 percent. And you you put uh, SmackDown's June average viewership through that machine, and on the other end you get an, a 16 percent increase of yeah about 2.2 million viewers, which would be above. 1.9 million viewers in June. Now, what what's kind of not part of that necessarily, I don't know if you can hear my dogs barking in the distance uh, for maximum WrestleNomics truthness uh, for a real show. Mookie is um, broadcasting from his backyard right now. No, what um, what I was going to say is I think the biggest thing that, that you can definitely tell that Fox is, is banking on is this idea that Fox Sports with NFL, with other things, will be driving viewers to come watch Raw. And so in some ways, it's not necessarily about the number of homes that it can reach, right. but rather the number of people that are already watching that station for other programming that can be converted into wrestling fans or wrestling interested fans. So I, I don't even feel like it's a factor of, oh, well, you're going to get 10% of the people who can get the channel. I think what you're trying to do is capture 10% of the football fans or 10% oh, yeah. of the, you know, other sports interested people and, and seeing where that drives. Yeah. And that could be really, that could be very valuable for them. And I, you heard that tone on the call here where it's almost like, you know, a child trying to pay, play off two parents that are, are divorced, where I felt like, you know, you almost had Vince kind of being like, well, Fox has promised me this sure hopes USA uh, ups their game a little bit. And, and I, I swear Vince had something that he said kind of that to that effect. I, I, so what you're referring to is that at one point, haha, <laughs> Mookie's clapping his dogs as he mutes the microphone. Uh, <laughs> uh, Vince talks about how Fox is going to really promote SmackDown, and uh, they've been given the impression, they've been led to believe, I think is the verbiage, that NBCU, uh, USA's parent company, will do a lot to promote Raw as well. And I believe Vince said, I don't know if it can equal what Fox is going to do, but they're going to do a lot, basically. And uh, But no, what you were saying earlier about this, this, all this promise 
that these networks are going to promote WWE's programming is is something that I can't really quantify easily. That that can't that's not factored into the the equation that I just explained a minute ago. That says, oh, maybe maybe it'll be a sixteen percent increase because we don't really know. It's very difficult to quantify, you know, how much value there is in. I think number one being on Fox, which is just a more widely viewed, more frequently viewed network in the United States, and two, what's 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 going to be the effect of Fox promoting SmackDown on you know NFL football games or whatever they end up doing. And if you're the real Nielsen ratings nerd, you would get really deep into the fact that we do have these different demographics. We have you know the the older demographic, you know, above forty, above forty five. You have the female demographic. You have all these subgroups that you could start making kind of discussion points on to say, is this Fox play going to drive more interest there? Because one of the, the biggest things that you, you kind of get when you start looking at these groups is there is definitely a bigger play between, you know, that 18 to 35 year old who a lot of these are, are cord nevers or cord cutters. And what is their in, impact and interest in this? And then also, you know, what is the digital options that exist for people today? that will allow them to access this programming in a way that maybe they don't, they can't access it through the USA network today. So is there going to be a Hulu solution or some other, you know, Fox app or something where you're able to watch SmackDown that maybe it's not a choice now. Is Fox programming on Hulu? There is some, but it's, it's, it's variable. Like, like everybody kind of has their own service and they try drive more and more traffic to their thing. But, um, I, I wouldn't say everybody is exclusive of Hulu. There's definitely um, shows from Fox that I watch uh, through Hulu. Yeah. So I, I'm just I'm I'm very curious to see kind of how it all lands and how it goes, and I, I think it'll be really exciting to um, kind of watch that. What's happening in October there? I think October will be a very exciting time for wrestling in America. Yeah. Um, WWE WrestleMania. We now know what the paid attendance was. And yeah, in, so and you, fact, you not only know your to, attendance, uh, but you got a mug update, right? Yeah, I have a I have a blink mug here, the original uh, WrestleNomics mug that has no graph on it. I have one as well, actually. I yeah. I also have one of the uh, the premier mugs. Now the question is, uh, the people out there, they want the updated mug. Um, many of that. my friends use this mug. It is their designated White Russians drinking mug. Yes. Whenever they drink White Russians, they drink it from a WrestleNomics mug. So I get texts from them that it's usually just pictures of our WrestleNomics mug, and I know that everything else they say that night can be taken with a grain of salt. <laughs> but um, with that in mind, how could people get a new mug? Well, what do I, they need to do? I would have to produce some, I guess. You could uh, contact me on Twitter or something and demand a new mug because I think it is quite useful. It, I actually have used it as a quick reference like twice to, to be like, wait a minute, what was the attendance? And, and then it's, it's right there. It's right there in your hand. But uh, you, you you pointed out, and this will be very boring to talk about on audio, so you probably shouldn't go too deeply here. But you oh, let's out, go deep. But you pointed out that my math was wrong and that my my ranges were, were too wide, that we could get a more precise range. for the Well, what I pointed out was that they show us three numbers sometimes. Sometimes they only show us two numbers. And so there there is there is this question of are they showing you two numbers or not? But one of the – what basically the point is – they had in the past kind of showed us a number that said, hey, without, uh, say, WrestleMania, the average attendance is 4,700. With WrestleMania, the average attendance is 5,800. And the difference between those two numbers is 1,100. And so in the past, you had been working with the lower bound and the upper bound, the 4,700 and the 5,800. And you basically said, well, that gives me a range of almost 100 on, you know, total 50 up, 50 down. 
And therefore I can multiply that by number of events and do the math. And it ended up with being about 5,000 person range or sometimes even a 10,000 person range. And the point that someone made to me, this wasn't me who made this point. It might've been smart Brandon, might've been someone else. And they came to me and they said, well, you really, you got to remember that the number in the middle, you also have to round to be the same difference number that they told you. So if they said it rounds to 1100, you can't use the upper bound and the lower bound such that the difference between the two is 1200. That's not fair. That's not math. That's Brandon math, but that's not Mookie math. Mm. And yeah, you, you basically said the same thing to me yesterday, and uh, I was able to apply the math. I can't say that I understand it. I think I'll have to go back to, to uh, college and get a, a math degree like you have to understand exactly what you're talking about there. But but I do have a new graph based on I think what you just said. Yeah. And so, I mean, the point is basically, instead of assuming plus or minus 50, it's closer to assuming plus or minus 25, I think, is what it kind of works out to be hmm. uh, per okay. per attendance number. But in the end, it means you could lower that range of difference. So, Brandon, with great and boring uh, prelude, can hmm. you tell us what is the approximate range of WrestleMania 35 attendance? The paid attendance for WrestleMania 35 in East Rutherford, New Jersey at MetLife Stadium on April 7th, 2019, was at least 60,399, and at most, 65,547, the median of which is 63,000, far less than W's announced attendance of 82,265. Though we do not have a confirmed count of ticket takers, hot dog sellers, and the like. And then things of that nature. And so forth. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Having run a few wrestling shows in the past couple months here, um, not any of which are at the near the scale of a WrestleMania, I am constantly surprised by the number of people you are packing in backstage and the amount of security, ushers, ticket takers, hot dog sellers, and the like that you do hire for an event. Um, and so I have grown a new sympathy towards this, uh, desire to understand how numbers can be rounded one way or another way and how there's always going to be a difference between tickets sold, people scanned at the turnstile, and people in the building. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we when we publicize this image or talk about this subject, people always want to know, well, is it is it actually just uh, the, the staff that's being counted here? Are they counting the comps too? Or is it just made up? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know. That, but we have at least a paid number that's, or at least a... a, a fairly tight range of a paid number. Yeah. And, and even the idea of like our comps not being counted, that's, that's an interesting question because in, in, you know, as you get more and more technical with the ticket people, you, you learn a lot more about how the accounting works for it. And in some ways they're often counted as tickets that are sold for $0. Mm. Does that so, count as a paid ticket though? That, that, that shouldn't. It's not a paid ticket necessarily. So yeah, there's that big difference. And then there's also the difference between holds and comps and whatnot. I think the biggest learning I had is if you want to go to a wrestling show, uh, like a televised wrestling show, the day of the show, there almost always will be tickets on sale. And you'll think, what, what do you mean? Isn't the show sold out? Well, what happens is you block off a whole bunch of seats and you say, Hey, we're going to put the camera here. And when you get there and you set up the camera, a lot of times you say, you know what? I can actually sell these seats over here and these seats over here. And maybe those are going to become my, my comp seats that I'm going to give to the wrestler's girlfriend or, or family member or dentist or whoever is showing up. But maybe I'm going to sell those tickets. And so it's surprising how often you actually have tickets you can release the day of the show. And so uh, I wouldn't say for fans always to give up hope 
nor should I say fans should interpret that as desperation on the part of promotions, the fact that they're able to sell tickets the day of. A lot of times it's literal, literally until you're in that venue and you're doing everything before you're going to be positive how many seats you can actually move for the whole day. And you're always going to start start low and be able to add more because you never want to sell a seat you, you can't deliver on. So how about this? You if How easy or hard do you think it is? And, and maybe d- does being at a stadium make it any more difficult to actually come up with a number that is, let's say, total attendance, which, which includes paid plus comps? How hard is it to, to know that number that night to announce it in the middle of the show as they do? How hard is it? It is 0% hard. Okay. <laughs> you know that number weeks in advance. You know that number to the minute. Okay. You have reporting on it. Okay. So no, you, you, you know exactly what your ticket sales numbers well, hey, are. Well, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I work. Uh, much smaller independent shows where I know for a fact that the promoter has no idea how many tickets he has sold. That is true. But most of those are not through, you know, we're, we're in the era of electronic ticketing is, is really what it comes down to is that very little ticketing is done now where we're not in fact, um, have the name, email address, address demographics of the person who's even buying. You know, when you think of these big data brokers big data. that are out there and you're wondering what's happening, well, one of the things they're doing is they're using that information to understand the ticket buying profile of the people that attend events. And, you know, that's another thing, whether it's true or not, who knows? But, you know, there, there's firms out there just the same way that they profile you using your grocery card. That's a, uh, maybe that's a spoiler for people, but the reason loyalty cards exist is it's a great way to get profiles of people to advertise to them. Yeah. I do think about that now every time I swipe my, my Wegmans shoppers card, like they're just, getting my data so they can know what coupon to print out for me or something. Oh, and, and, you know, we used to, when I worked in grocery consulting, we would even talk to firms that would say, Hey, if you give us the credit card numbers, we can match them up with the, the loyalty card data and give you even more information and tell you things about what they buy for at furniture stores or, mm-hmm. you know, which uh, premium wrestling podcast they support on Patreon. And soon enough, they're going to match that up with the, the face that you submit on the, on the face app and the Russians are going to have all that data. Hey, you know, when I went to board my Delta flight, they, they had like face scan technology for like your face is your ticket for one of these Delta flights. I think it was like an international flight. And I was just like, holy cow. And my wife being a lawyer uh, was just like, yeah, there's a lot of questionable things going on there that uh, uh, could be an issue. So I don't even know how that stuff works. But yeah, it's all out there. And uh, please... You guys can't see the video feed now. Brandon is in a completely tinfoil covered room with, yeah. you know, uh, Reynolds I'm, I'm wearing wrap. A, as I'm wearing a, Lucha, wearing a Lucha mask right now, actually, to conceal my my uh, uh, PII. What does that stand for? Personal, personally identifiable information. Um, yes. but one more thing about this WrestleMania number, which, you know, this is MetLife Stadium, the, the old giant stadium. There was a WrestleMania there in 2013, right? I think that was the second Rock and Cena WrestleMania. The uh, announced attendance was 80,676. That's lower than the one they announced this year by about, I don't know, 1,500 or so. The the paid attendance was a little bit higher at 68,900. Uh, so on, on the, I remember on the night of WrestleMania, you know, they, they announced the um, the attendance. And I, I tweeted, ah, let's look back at, at WrestleMania 29 in East Rutherford. Yeah, it was about 69,000. That's probably what they'll end up having. Uh, when, when we learned the news, which we learned yesterday, but it was actually quite a bit lower. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And it also speaks to the fact that we, as people are not great at judging large numbers like that. Like you didn't hear from people the the day of the show. Oh, you know, this, this whole event here feels 10% more empty than it did back in 2013. It's, it's so hard to tell, mm-hmm. uh, just cause when you have that many bodies packed in and also just, you know, fields get reconfigured and seats get reconfigured and there's different ways to pack people on the floor. 
and uh, sell them things. So it's it's fascinating to me. It's the place where I have spent um, months and months of my life has been d- digging into live event re- economics and learning a lot more about this ticketing industry. And uh, I have great respect for the people who, who have to sell and, and do these tours and do all the, the venue agreements and everything else that ha- goes along with it. It is a uh, it is a busy, busy marketplace. Um, just another other quick metric stuff. International attendance was down in addition to the usual trends of uh, North American attendance being down here. It looks like the international tour that they, that they did, that they always do in Q2, uh, didn't go as well as the year before, which is what happened the year before that. You know, it's in a downward trend here in Q2 for international uh, average attendance. Though, you know, the metric that also people should probably be thinking about is when you go and look, what was the revenue on the international uh, tours looking like? Was it up year over year? Oh, year over year for six months, it's down. Uh, it'll take me a second to figure out what it is for the quarter. And And the reason I bring that up is that you know, you can't always just look at it in isolation to say, oh, you know, attendance is down. That's bad. Because if you raise your ticket prices enough, hey, you could be offsetting it with a lot more revenue and a lot more profit and be comfortable with the fact that you're marketing to one group of fans versus another group of fans. Obviously, it depends on which kind of um, point you are in, in, in a cycle of, of growth as a company. Because there's always going to be times that you like that and times that you're kind of questioning whether that's a, a the right place to be uh, for where you want to be. But so yeah, let me national s- ticket sales revenue for Q2 2019, $9.5 million, down from yeah. $13.5 million. They said it was $4 million uh, dri- driven by staging six fewer events and 14% reduction in attendance, partially offsetting the factors. The ticket price went up 6% to $83.34. So, um, good example of, of where, yes, it did not in fact, um, offset the amount, but, uh, they, they were continuing to either raise the ticket prices or sell more tickets to the people that paid the highest ticket prices, Mm -hmm. uh, because the average ticket price dropped, I mean, went up. So, uh, interesting place. Uh, you still hear a lot of focus on, um, obviously the India deal, the China deal continuing to get lip service, right? We, we heard about, Hey, we just did a giant tryout in China. Mm-hmm. Um, they talked about, Hey, we're going to go back to the Mercedes Benz stadium, uh, again this year in Shanghai. Um, be very curious to see if maybe John Cena swoops his head in again and, and, uh, his new hair and maybe his hair can cut a promo this time. Maybe in, uh, in Mandarin. In Mandarin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, just that idea of, of being that, you know, China is definitely not a, a afterthought for them because they even mentioned their PPTV announce, um, deal that they have, which is the, you know, specialty digital retailer that they basically use in China to distribute programming. So, um, whether or not China is the future, China's still on the radar for sure, uh, for WWE. And they were at, Barrios was asked specifically about India. You know, a couple analysts trying to corner him and say, hey, what do we think we're going to see with the India rights? And um, it looked like maybe he, once again, didn't want to go into the granularity of that, did he? Merchandise sales, both at the venue and online, were down. You know, venue merch being down, you can kind of think of like, hey, attendance was down, so you just have fewer people there to sell, sell merchandise to. But online, it was down as well. Yeah, and, you know, you always want to spend a lot of time thinking about what's your per head um, on that, that merchandise per head type per uh, head number. Up. I don't even know where to find that right now, but yes, that is, that would be the, the it's, piece it's, I'd be very interested it's in, the, in. It's in the flight article, actually. Per capita spending increased from uh, 1042 in Q2 2018 to 1262. 
Wow. That's actually a huge increase. So, um, $2. Which, which, which again, I think that reflects to me that idea that what you're doing is you're getting more and more consumers that are probably the high, higher end revenue consumers. And that's why your ticket price would be going up. And that's why your per capita's would be going up is that, you know, something you can always say is everybody wants to sit ringside, right? Everybody, when they're trying to buy a ticket, that's what they're thinking about is I'm trying to get that ringside ticket. They might not be willing to pay the price, but that's what they're going for. And as you begin to scale out in that building and get further and further out, um, you know, you, you run somebody who might be willing to say, Hey, I'm going to outlay this many dollars for a ringside ticket might say, I'm not interested in even going to the event if I have to sit in the nosebleeds. Mm -hmm. And so you, you kind of, in my mind, it's kind of that phenomenon in reverse, which is if you're not having those people sitting in the nosebleeds, then you're more likely to have that consumer that's left. That's probably willing is a lot more price and elastic. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe I don't know if we've had a second life, uh, uh, WWE event. Someone was telling me about, uh, Fortnite concerts, was it? Or it was another, it was another one of these like, um, online services where people would actually watch a concert at this virtual environment mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I have a feeling that, that both Minecraft and Fortnite has surpassed, uh, Mr. Brandon Howard Thurston III. Is that correct? No idea what you're talking about. Um, wow. <laughs> online video viewing was back up after being down in the prior quarter. And, uh, I, I, I of course anticipated this because I had been, mulling through uh, socialblade.com which gives monthly breakdowns for for any youtube channel you want and uh so yeah it, it, viewing was up hours viewed and, and and views individually were up were you surprised at all to see um like twitter as a metric oh. being flat for the quarter i don't know what it means like all all those numbers so you're talking about a slide in, in the kpis where they break down Facebook followers and Twitter followers and then all other social media platforms. Um, and all of those followers are very redundant. Uh, you know, it's non-unique. It's, it, they're including all of the talent accounts in there. So I, I don't know what it means. And maybe in the case of Twitter, it's just like they're, maybe Twitter's finally destroying some of their bot accounts that they got out there. I don't know. But it just kind of blew my mind because what you have is, um, the number goes 164, 171, 180, 191, 201, 206, 209, 215, 222. 222. So it went from gaining people every single quarter going back for years to flat. And the same thing happened with Facebook, 469, 475, 479, 480, 491, 492, 493, 495, 501, 502. You know, we, we saw only 1 million new people. And maybe that's because you're not doing programming like, um, mix match challenge or whatever, where that was in driving a lot of Facebook consumer consumption at a time. I, but I, I, I just thought it was really intriguing that video views are way up, but actual number of accounts that are kind of signing on is flat, except for they got 14 million more other platforms. And that's probably I, mostly Instagram. And I know, I know they note Snapchat in there too, I think, but, um, and I think it has a lot to do with just Facebook's not as active anymore. I think Facebook and Twitter are becoming more saturated and in, in their general overall user base. Have you, have you signed up to watch Quibi yet? No. Have you discovered what it is yet? No, I have no idea what Quibi is, but yeah. we know that they're going to be doing a transformational series called Fight Like a Girl, mm -hmm. where, uh, trainees overcome obstacles, become tougher, stronger, and healthier versions of their former selves. Right. Inside and out. <laughs> and finally, NXT attendance was slightly down in, uh, just about every category except for average ticket price. So average attendance was slightly down, total paid attendance slightly down, and, uh, total revenue slightly down in uh, quarterly comparisons. 
And clarify for me this. Was it actually announced on the show that they are or in the in the conference, whether or not what their NXT programming strategy was going to be, or was it alluded to, or was it just hypotheticals put out by pundits that NXT would be used as a counter programming uh, for what for other other competition other, on other television programming uh, that may also be on Wednesday night. Uh, there was a question from one of the analysts about a rumor uh, that maybe NXT would be going to I don't know FS1 or something like that. And so there's just a question about whether or not WWE would actually consider taking NXT off of the network and doing something like putting it on FS1. Uh, George Barrios took the question and he said, you know, something to the effect of, you know, you know, I'm not going to get into it, you know, too specifically, but, you know, we, whenever we consider, you know, the one of the biggest things we talk about internally is what, where to put what content. And, uh, when, when we have discussions, we always consider, you know, what's the reach? What are the economics? And, uh, and, and basically that's what they would consider if they were considering putting NXT on some other network or FS1. So just, uh, he didn't, he didn't uh, say, no, that's not happening, but he just said, you know, this is how we think about that. Got it. And then who is your favorite analyst when they call in you, you, you buzz. I mean, of course, uh, it's fun to ride the train with Laura where you, you see all the different versions of her saying, you know, either praising the McMahons, her drive towards digital consumption, her, pra- you know, this, what did she say about Vince this time? He's one of the best businessmen he, the, she covers the of all the industries. The he is the best. He is like the best businessman that she covers. But, uh, but uh, Ben Swinburne brought up the, the Variety article. So uh, he, he got some points for that as well. Of uh, Morgan Stanley, I think he's from. I think my favorite is um, our friend from Cannonball Research. Yes. Who always does. Vasily. If, if, Vasily. Maybe at the very end here, we'll, uh, uh, after the show, you can play a little bit of the clip of, of his question, which if you think, uh, WrestleNomics is dry at times, wait till you hear one of his questions, which is usually about very particular accounting on future quarters and asked in such a way that it's guaranteed that no one is going to answer that question for them. Yes. George said he's not going to architect 2020 yet. He's not going to get into all that math with you. Sorry, silly. Yeah. But uh, one of my favorites. Okay. All right. Well, um, I uh, I got to go deal with Henson and Mel and make sure that they are a okay here in the hot hot sun of the Minnesota world. But um, it's been a, a excellent talking with you, Brandon Howard Thurston the yeah. third. And uh, I look forward to finding out what your PWI number is this year. I hope hope to yeah. hear it's, it's gone up with all these all these loser purses you've been amassing at uh, beyond perhaps maybe uh, uh, bringing true. your ranking up or down. Who knows? We can do a, a correlation on that study later. That could be true. Then again, I've heard Dan Murphy is this is last year. He's uh he's doing the PWI 500. So uh, I may not have a, a, I may not have a, somebody co-opted within the uh, PWI universe to uh, help me out in future years. This could be it for me. Well, I've said it many, many times before the number one predictor for what your PWI ranking is, is where you were ranked the year before. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is stay stay in competition and make sure that you got on that list magically. Mm-hmm. And uh, for other people that uh, want magic entertainment, I'm going to make a recommendation October 7th. I'm sorry, August 7th, August 10th, Toronto over mm-hmm. um, at the MET. Uh, there will be OWE shows. Uh, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment is coming to North America for the very first time. They're coming to Canada. And there's going to be some incredible shows. And on August 10th, I think you even have a uh, OWE connection, correct? I, uh, Daniel Garcia is facing off against T-Hawk. Uh, yeah, so yeah. so RIP Daniel Garcia's chest. Mm-hmm. 
uh, after some some brutal T Hawk chops coming his way. Yeah. But uh, I I will be there the um, from the seventh to the tenth. I'll be hanging out in Toronto, attending a lot of those wrestling shows, checking out things. So um, I'll probably wear my signature hat. So if you see me in the crowd, please say hi. Yeah. Are you gonna wear your OWE hat? I might. You know, I have two OWE hats. One is a black OWE hat. One is a red OWE hat. And so my wife will wear the red OWE hat when she goes somewhere. She thinks there's going to be a lot of Trump supporters. Really? Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's how she, she'll try to blend in. Is she'll wear the OWE red hat. I can't remember where in the world we were going that we were afraid of this. But this was this was a very particular decision we made at one time. Uh, so, it just, so it's always funny when you see my, my red hat a lot of times. It almost looks like a MAGA hat. Okay. Any any other any other thoughts or comments? Any other any events you want to promote in October? Just just uh, I yeah I mean uh, of course uh, Washington D.C. We we announced that we're going to be doing our first show uh, for AEW there, and I'm very excited about that at the Capital One Arena. What a what an incredible place to kick off our partnership with TNT, and the uh, the revolution continues. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trademark copyright print. Joining me now from the uh, the local independent wrestling universe to give us a more down to earth, everyday, informed and, and intelligent and educated, but a more more uh, average, everyday man on the street kind of view on WrestleNomics and the wrestling business. In WQ2 2019, we have uh, my friends DJ Jarka. What's up, everybody? And Chris Golo. And the man in the streets. How's it going? Yeah. So we're just to let everybody know what's really going on here. I, we're going to do an ESW podcast, which you can find ESW Inside the Empire on any, 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 any podcast platform now. All major platforms. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about, uh, we just had Mookie on, who probably talked way over your and my head because he's just so smart. But uh, we're going to talk about, I don't know, the wrestling business. Let's see what happens. So I made you guys do some required reading. I made you read my article on Fightful.com about the, the quarterly report, and I made you read the PDF, uh, which is out on PayHip that you can download for free or make a donation for that just goes through all these different metrics, television viewership, attendance, YouTube views, etc. And uh, I don't know. What, what, what were your thoughts from having to do this required reading? I Okay, so <clears throat> when you actually look at it at numbers, <clears throat> it makes sense, but... The YouTube views and the TV ratings charts were interesting to me in the aspect of, as you can see, the TV ratings have steadily declined. But with the YouTube views, it's a pretty steady large number. And then if you look, I mean, they're looking we're at... We're talking about WWE's YouTube WWE's views. YouTube views, and, yeah, and sorry. Television. Uh, yeah. $2.6 billion, uh, in the quarter two in 2019. I am someone who... Uh, is currently not a giant. I'll tell you, I'm cur- currently not watching a lot of. You're a WWE hater, aren't you? You're not, one no, of those not, people. Not at all. I'm just currently not watching a lot of WWE product. Yeah, but I want to still know what's going on to keep up what's going on. Do you, do you have I cable watch, or satellite? I have Sling TV. You have Sling. Okay, so you're counted. Service. You're counted. Yes, but for me to come home from work and sit and watch Raw from eight to ten instead of have you know dinner with my wife or whatever you would rather be tortured and it's it's something that i'm not like i'm not just like oh i really got to catch raw she knows those times like if there's a draft or something you know Mm -hmm. i kind of want to see that see what's going on whatever 
But I'll tell you something I do do, whether it's Monday night or Tuesday morning, I always watch those clips on YouTube of all the big stuff that happened so I'm caught up on. And seeing it actually in numbers makes a lot of sense. I'm not the only one out there. Yeah. Like and these are these are worldwide places. numbers. We're yes. the billions. This is worldwide, and the, and the TV viewership stuff is just the United States. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. I still, I mean, that's, a, I mean, yes. Yeah, so, but looking at the numbers there, like it's growing. It's it's grown over the years, uh, quite a bit. It's a new it's a new media platform. That's where more and more people throughout the world are. I don't know. Are uh, spending their time is on YouTube. I just think nobody wants to invest time into watching their three-hour show. Mm-hmm. But oh, I can find out everything that happened last night in ten to fifteen minutes watching. YouTube clips, and that's what I do. So, anything else from this PDF? Um, I was surprised how big uh, Impact's number was on the views. Yeah, I I think because TNA Impact, and th- and that's reflected in Google search too. Yeah, the Google search really surprised me with Impact. I think because they've been around so long in such a relative to the other companies, high profile uh, within you know just public consciousness. They were on Spike TV for a number of years. And and even though they are relegated to this Pursuit channel where, who knows, I don't know if Nielsen can even track how few people are watching that program right now. But, but be, so. because TNA or Impact is, has such a legacy, and, and maybe, they, maybe they're just doing something really smart it, it, with their social media strategy or something. But, but yeah, they, they still do really well when it comes to Google searches and really well when it comes to YouTube views, uh, which is to say that they do far better than New Japan is doing, and far better than uh, than Ring of Honor is doing on YouTube. Um, Ring of Honor is actually in the, in the decline uh, on on YouTube, and uh, New Japan is just just starting to try to get going with both English and Japanese channels. Um, but uh, just just to lay the facts out here, and uh, but yeah, uh, in, in worldwide uh, impact is still getting more searches than Ring of Honor or uh, New Japan. No, right, right, no, no, sorry. They're, they have more searches than Ring of Honor, and that's it right now uh, of, of these other four companies. But uh, in the United States, uh, they're still above New Japan and Ring of Honor. So worldwide, New Japan's above Impact. As far as Ring of Honor with the YouTube views, you see that 10.8 in the fourth quarter of last year, all the way down to 5.3 now in the second quarter. Do you think that has a lot to do with losing guys like Cody and the Bucks and the guys that really generated that? Yeah, I think it's, it's partly that. I think... Um, I think there's some some narratives that you can get out of reading this document that kind of uh, affirm some in- intuitions that I had. Like, so there's f- there's what five companies that are that have some data uh, in, in this document: WWE, New Japan, Ring of Honor, AEW, and Impact. And uh, I think in the case of of WWE, as well as we know that they're doing financially because of their TV rights, uh, just about every other metric is except for YouTube views is in, is in a decline. Um, in the case of Ring of Honor, I think uh, their attendance, if, if you take out that big MSG show, is in decline. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be the trajectory of, of where they're going right now. And partly, I think that is because of, of talent and, and the talent that they've lost and the talent that they have not replaced. Um, but you do see that reflected in Google searches also and, and in YouTube views. Uh, I think in the case of Impact, it's a company that's obviously it's lost its, its broadcast platform. They're, they're no longer on Spike. They're no longer on Destination America. And what, what, was there something in between? Yes, Pop TV. Yeah, Pop <laughs> they're, TV. They're yeah. no longer on the TV Guide channel. and uh, But they have such a legacy that they're able to uh, do something uh, above the others. 
in, in, in the YouTube views and in, in the Google searches. And I think New Japan is doing, you know, they're on the, in an upward trend on attendance. And they're in an upward trend on YouTube views, even though it's below what Impact's doing. Uh, they're in an upward trend on, uh, on Google searches, attendance, and YouTube views. So I would say, like, just to go through them quickly. And then, you know, AEW's only been in existence here for, you know, six months and only three shows. But their Google searches are already surging above everybody except for WWE, who they are, are still trailing by, by multiples. So let's not, let's not pretend that AEW is anywhere near uh, WWE for Google searches or, or anything like that. But, um, yeah, uh, WWE, it's, some of its metrics are down. Ring of Honor, what we can look at here, it's down. Uh, New Japan is up. And uh, Impact has kind of been relegated to obscurity here. So, yeah. I, and, and it's, it's funny looking at those Ring of Honor numbers, too, and, and the attendance and all that. And I, and I was wondering if that MSG show, if, that, if you just attributed that to Ring of Honor and not both Ring of Honor and New Japan on that attendance. But I'm assuming it was just Ring of Honor you attribute that to, right? I think so, yeah. That's a good point, though. Maybe that should be in... Uh, I don't know. I have to look. Yeah, I, it's... I would have to look at, at, at what's in the spreadsheet for where, where I got those numbers from. Um, but yeah. I think uh, the drawing power of, of, the, of the Ring of Honor show was lar- largely drawn by the, the energy of New Japan and less so by Ring of Honor. And I think the narrative coming out of that, that show was... Uh, regardless of what any of our individual opinions about, are about the show and what we felt about it, I think a, uh, a lot of the momentum coming out of it was the Ring of Honor stuff was was okay at best. A lot, some of the stuff wasn't good, and the New Japan stuff was really good. Yeah. yeah, and the show was sold out back when they were hitting those huge numbers on like YouTube, YouTube compared to yeah. Where and I think the, now. the attraction of going to that MSG show is partly about history. It's about like. It's the first non-WWE show in decades uh, at Madison Square Garden, and it's going to be a huge piece of history, and you get to witness it. Um, other than that, I mean, everything I took, I mean, it made sense, like, as far as the graph, you know, that merchandise sales would be, for the most part, up in quarter twos. We only have WWE merchandise sales. We don't have WWE for any of the other for, I'm talking about, yeah, WWE yep. version for merchandise. I should contribute that yeah. or attribute that. But um, the but it's funny. So, but the WWE shop fourth quarter Christmas. Yeah, that's you know, which those statistics make sense when you look at them. But it's like I'm not a big number chart guy. Not that I like reading them, but I'm just not out there seeking them all the time. And it, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. WrestleMania is going to be where they're going to sell their in-house merchandise the most. And yeah. it's going to be that, that Christmas rush on the shop. Um, the, the NXT numbers for attendance that you put at towards the end there, or I think they were towards the end. I think they're like, that. there's NXT attendance in the fightful article. Oh, the fight. I'm sorry. Yeah. Those are the fine. fightful article. Yeah. I apologize. What about, but, um, and you're for those, are you contributing all the Largo shows and stuff like that? Yeah, on top so this of is, this the is w, live. This is WWE's reporting, and that, okay. it, that includes the Florida loop, and it includes the national slash international loop. It so that's why that, that number hit, can be as low as like yeah. twenty two hundred because they're doing those shows in front of what a couple hundred people in Largo and places like that. Yeah, it, it's all that stuff factored together. Both the the venues where there's you know a capacity of a few thousand, and, and the venues where there's they only expect to get a few hundred. Are they? I mean, you obviously know it's for me. Are they trending for the same type of loss with NXT this year? For money or for yeah, for for well, like money and as a whole. 
well, look at that table, and uh, I'll pull up a graph that no one can see except for us three. Well, because I know that you also brought up, okay, so you brought up the interesting thing that there has been the rumblings that they possibly develop a show with Fox FS1 yeah. to be on Wednesdays, maybe pulling it off the network, putting it on that. But as popular as NXT is with, I think, a lot of the educate really educated wrestling fans and people that know independent wrestling and stuff like that, is that something that the FS1's, I mean, it's not a channel that gets giant ratings, but are they going to want to even take a risk on that? Because on a Wednesday night, I mean, they could be airing baseball. They could be airing, uh, you know, college basketball, like stuff that's going to get them easy ratings. Yeah, I don't know. Would, would, would NXT do better ratings than, than those, though? I don't know. I would have to, like, yeah. do some research into what, what what's on, on Wednesday night on FS1. What's the viewership like at 8 o'clock? Yeah. I, I don't know the general thing, but I know during the fall and winter, it's a lot of college basketball. It's yeah. like the Big East basketball yeah. they have a deal with. So, I mean, Big East is, I mean, it's a major conference, but it's not, you know, the ACC or uh, Big Ten. And, and ad rates for other sports that aren't wrestling are going to be higher probably than, yeah. than wrestling. But uh, I think NXT could, could do several thousand uh, in, in viewers on a Wednesday night easily. Yeah. My question about that would be is how would uh, them going to FS1 affect the deal? With, would they get extra money for that? Because it's not something that we really has ever brought up before the, the the deal with Fox was signed. Yeah. So on the conference call, it was asked. There's you know somebody asked that there's a this rumor about whether or not NXT would go to FS1. Would you consider taking it off the network? And basically, George Barrios' answer was. Uh, it, it would have to. We would consider the money involved. We would consider the reach of the of the network that we would be put on. In this case, FS One, the number of homes that it's in. So, um, yeah, it, it it would just be a matter of I think money. You know, or would FS One give them enough money to make it worth their while to make to make it worth the value that's lost on the network of taking that program off the network, or would they still be allowed to rebroadcast within X amount of days, or the same day, or whatever. Well, I know that, you know, when the deal was originally done, there was was just something in the press release that there will be extra programming. And then we heard things about, like, Jerry the King Waller having a show where he breaks down stuff weekly and all that. Are you talking about the uh, The Fox deal entirely? The FS1. But but that stuff's going to be on FS1. That stuff's not going to be on Fox. No. No, that stuff will be on FS1. So I wonder if this would just be something where Fox would make a power play and go, well, we want, you you know, we did talk, discuss extra programming, you know. Yeah. We want you to put NXT still taping from where you're taping in this and that, but especially if it's live, then it ha- I think it has at least I can't the, see it being live. The appearance of value to uh, to FS1, you know, these TV networks they want live programming. I think it's an easier sell to FS1 if it is live as opposed yeah. to you know you know the way that they currently do it at full sale where they tape weeks and weeks of, of TV at a time. I mean, there's also other options if they don't want to put on FS1, they could put on FX, FXX. Potentially, maybe. Well, the the deal that they have with for for SmackDown is not with Fox or Twenty First Century Fox. It's with Fox Sports. So I guess my expectation would be if there's going to be more wrestling in addition to SmackDown within the Fox universe, it's going to be on FS1, maybe FS2. Hmm. So I don't think F- FX is a part of that. But but who well, knows? I put UFC as a peer on FX. A lot of that point, stuff is a little. Know. It's I think it's un. No one really knows exactly what Fox still really owns right now with the whole Disney deal because, like, it's weird. Like, 
they sold the right to the Simpsons, but they still air the Simpsons. It with the whole Disney thing. And but one of the things that was not allowed to be in that Disney deal was Fox Sports because ESPN acquiring that, you know, Disney ESPN would make it a monopoly, and that w- was would be shut down immediately. Right. So, okay. Jarka. Yeah. What are the questions that you have? You have questions written down on a piece of paper. What is on the back of that paper? What is this? Okay, this is um, I I was at it's work. Like a flyer? No. Summer. What does it say? Summer word Summer scramble. Word scramble. They uh sometimes at work we have like activities. It's we like can, a game. Yeah, we can complete that are really easy. Just and then um we get entered to win prizes. Like, instead of working. Yeah. Just to give us a chill out from you know. Okay. Processing those health insurance claims all day. So they give you puzzles and games. Yes. Um, I guess kind of in the same sphere there about the, the, the TV deal. Um, I, when the new U S TV deal money actually starts coming in, um, I'm kind of speculating about how much of an impact it will have on like investor appetite on the, the biggie stock, whether that's been factored in currently or not. Yeah. And you know when that money actually starts hitting on was a Q Q four Q four yeah how I wonder how um, investors will react to it and what their expectations are going to be for it. The investment community already understands that, and it's already baked in. That's my understanding. Is mm-hmm. that I think the vast majority of the money that's invested in WWE, uh, it's. It's put there un- under the uh, the advice of people like the people that who you hear on the uh, the conference calls, the analysts. So it's it's less like there's all these people out there who are individually holding or not holding their their WWE stock. I think it's the the big pieces of the big shareholders in WWE are these giant financial firms that own like ten and twenty percent, something like that, of of WWE stock. So all these people understand that they understand that the that the uh, the US TV deal is worth 3.6x, and that 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 puts the the price where it is. All this stuff is already understood and baked in and anticipated. You know, it's it's kind of like what I didn't totally get at first when I first started to, to look at this stuff and be like, well, man, you know, they do great business around WrestleMania. Maybe the stock price jumps up at WrestleMania, but it, it doesn't. It it uh, all this stuff is anticipated. Yeah, it's something that would be compared to like a year to date type thing. Like how they compared did the year prior previously. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I had some some notes I took about uh, the comments Vince McMahon made about about AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, he he seems kind of with like in the know of what the of the programming is, which is kind of weird when you think about because oftentimes you've heard you hear from like from various podcasts of people that worked with him that mm-hmm. he doesn't watch anything else besides his what's in his universe. He's all right. in tune about that. But then I don't believe he even watches NXT. I, I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. He is, I don't think he watched 205 Live. I don't think no. he knows that even exists no. either. No, I think I think the only wrestling that he that he watches is the wrestling that he sees the grill position. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, so so why did he is that your question? Like why did he uh how, how does he does he he's like watching AEW? That's what I'm maybe not watching it, but paying attention to it. I think certain stuff is being brought to his attention one way or another. Uh, we kind of t- touched on it a little bit with Mookie, but I think like somebody brought images of Dustin and Cody to him, and somebody brought images of what's Dean, what's Dean doing out there? <laughs> God damn it! 
Dean, he's, he's walking around with, who's this guy with that, with that hair and walking around in bare feet with the thumbtacks and shit. Like, he, he probably saw that and, uh, you know, constructed this narrative that maybe he believes sincerely, maybe not to some degree. I don't know about, you know, it's, did you, did you, have you guys heard the audio of him saying it's, it's all violent? Gore no, and I, bloody I just guts. read the comments. I just read it too. Yes, I'll play it for you later. But yeah, he. I, I think that's what happened. I think he's seen certain images. I don't. I highly doubt. I would be surprised if he sat down and watched Double or Nothing, or uh, Fire Fest, or Fight for the Fallen, or All In for that matter. Triple H probably is though. More likely, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think Pritchard's probably letting him know what's going on and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. Bruce Pritchard? Yes, Bruce Pritchard. He works for WWE, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. he does. Yeah. He disagrees yeah. with like WrestleMania attendance. And he's associated stuff. with a lot of guys that work for AEW, so. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought that those comments were kind of poignant in. I, I was listening to uh, Wrestling Sheet Radio this morning. And they with Ryan Satin? With Ryan Satin. Okay. Yeah, and uh, they kind of they mentioned how those comments really are, are like almost like an attempt to devalue. Uh, AEW. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's yeah, it's an attempt to say, hey, we're WWE. We are a product that blue chip sponsors want to invest in and sponsor and have have you uh, advertise your products with. And look, there's this other company out there maybe that you've heard of, but they're doing wild, violent, wild west crap that you don't want to be associated with. Um, and uh, and he even made the comment that you've probably seen where he says that I, I can't imagine TNT standing for that. So, he, you know, he's just trying to, to make sure everybody knows that WWE is where you want to, when you, if you're thinking about wrestling or sports entertainment or whatever, that WWE is the, is the one that you want to stay with. And, and that they're this shit that you don't want. It's, it's violent and it's crazy. And we're, we're, we're more sophisticated now. Yeah, he reinforced the cleanliness of programming, to, like to trying to like reinforces this is where you want to put your money for the investors and not want to, you know, don't worry, those guys are, uh, you know, they're yeah. blood and guts, whatever he used, yes. you know, blood and guts and gore, yeah, <laughs> and crap. He, he really, like it's CZW, like <laughs> XPW, <laughs> but at the same time, like this is a as stupid as it sounds, like to the average person who he's talking to, financial community, analysts, investors, they're not watching AEW. They're barely even watching WWE. Yeah, I, I don't think in his opinion. Right. The, the, the attraction of being interested in WWE stock here for the sort of audience that he's talking to on a conference call is is the attraction of look at what the stock price has done over the last two years. It's it's you know, it's increased by multiples. You invest your money and your your money gets, you know, 7x over the last five years or whatever it is and that's the attraction for that audience they're not they're not paying attention to wrestling programming do you think the only reason why like say someone like that would even really be intrigued to know Vince's opinion on AEW is just based on the connection to tony khan i mean tony khan's father and the nfl and, and whatnot him owning an nfl team where like impact i'm sure impact was never really brought up as much because they were never competition but if you look, I mean, yeah, I, I asked Mookie. He hasn't. He said he hadn't been listening to uh, conference calls going way back. But I don't think that was my question. I don't, I don't think TNA was ever brought up so directly. They may have been kind of, but it, it was not. Not it was not addressed the way that this was addressed. I mean, look at the. Look, I mean, look at the connections there. I mean, for first off, Tony himself has a very very successful analytics company that works with major sports organizations all over. His father 
owns the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I always forget the name of the soccer team. Fulham. Yeah. Fulham. Fulham. Uh, they and, and now they're, they're relegated. In, in, in bed with TNT, Time Warner, which is really now, you know, it's Disney and Fox's yeah. competitors. So. The Khan family has billions of dollars. Yeah. And it, Shad Khan has more money than Vince has. That's, I think, at least one element that makes this different than TNA. Yeah. If I'm a, if I'm a stock investor, I'm 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 probably not watching AEW, but I'm like, hey, so Vince, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'd want to know. Yeah, I, th- I think that the smart ones are aware of it. Yeah, and their uh, AEW has been mentioned in questions on a uh, I think the last quarterly call. It was not mentioned in questions on on this one. The words A, you know, the letters AEW were not were not said by any analysts, and they were not said by Vince. But that's clearly what he was referring to. But yeah, I think some are, some are aware of it. Yeah. Oh, the other uh, thing I thought was next Charka was um, it was they were talking about the uh, um, the, the writing teams, and mm-hmm. Vince said he re- he, uh, he said it's not just one man's vision. Which, as you know, reports have come out as of late, they talk about how. You know, the writing teams would get together. They would come up with, you know, their plans. And then after the meeting, Vince, Triple H, and uh, I forgot the other guy's name, would get together and basically rewrite everything, like as Vince would do it. There have been reports from Meltzer that uh, the whole show is laid out, and then the day of, you know, days days in advance, the show gets written or whatever. And then the day of, Vince gets there and demands everything be rewritten or changed. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of noteworthy that he would bring that up, that that, it, that that there's a team at work, but it's from what inside information is being leaked out there is contradictory to that. Well, what, he what, tagged what that along with Bischoff and Heyman being in, because I think that was his selling point with the TV ratings, like, well, we got Bischoff and Heyman now, so things are going to get better. Well, so he, he mentioned that there are executive directors now for Raw and SmackDown. And he said that he's going to not be in the weeds as much anymore. He can't be in the weeds. What 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 that really means, I don't know. I don't really believe that uh, Vince McMahon is going to be a whole lot less engaged with the creative process in 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 the sense that it's going to be notice, noticeably way different. I'm really skeptical that it's going to be noticeably way different. He said that he's still going to, to take a a longer range uh, story arc. He made it sound like to uh, to the naive mind that he's going to be way hands off now, and he's going to control long term storylines. If I didn't know better, this is what I would take from it: that he's going to just be orchestrating long term storylines. He's going to focus, he said, more on talent uh, development and things like that. And that, like, he made it sound like Bischoff and Heyman would be, you know, taking over some of the duties that he was taking. Uh, in the past, I mean, like, what is he going to be doing instead? I don't know more XFL stuff. Yeah, that's more, uh, I. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's here's the thing with the XFL. So I follow a lot of, I'm follow a lot of professional football, and I've ha- I've always had this fascination with like upstart football leagues, like the whole thing that went on with the Alliance American <laughs> Fo- Alliance American Football was great. Um, you know, all the XFL press releases and and everything you see and read. Other than the first time where he announced it, Vince is never listed. It's all Oliver Luck. It's mm-hmm. Oliver Luck. It's Oliver Luck. It's Oliver Luck. Mm-hmm. Oliver Luck's at this press conference. He's at that press conference. He's announcing this stadium, that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, which I wonder if if Vince ever really becomes a public fi- fixture for them or if he's really trying to break that stigma. But 
I feel like if he's going to be involved, he's going to be a public fixture. Or if he's going to be involved in a high maintenance role. Yeah. I think one of the things he says in the, in the big press conference last year, January, was that, you know, this may be the last time you see me uh, do something publicly with the XFL. was basically the gist of something that he said in there. So I don't, who knows? I don't know. I think he kind of, I mean, there's a reason why he's doing this, right? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to sell a bunch of stock and invest it in this Alpha Entertainment XFL project, but he did because I think he wants to right the wrong in his in his past of this XFL failure that looms in his mind. He wants to have something other than wrestling be successful yes. on his name. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I get it. The man's got a lot of pride. We clearly, even never even meeting him, we clearly see that. The WBF failed. Ico Pro failed. The World Restaurant in Times Square failed. They were going to do a karate federation. Really? And it fell through. Breaking, yep. breaking news here. Yes, yeah, they were going to do a karate federation in the early 90s. Yeah. That fell through as well. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yes, yeah. They they had like a, they had guys like contacted like you know known karate dudes and stuff. Like mm. yeah, it was going to be like a Saturday morning karate show. Mm. Like where it was going to because this was when Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter were becoming big, and they were going to have karate guys with gimmicks and characters have karate fights against each other, and it was a creative process. There were th- and it just now it just fell through. Nothing yeah. really came of it. But yeah. <laughs> He was gonna have a karate, a karate foundation. Was 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 from you know what I heard was, was pro wrestling is what my dad did. This so, is this is show business. So, what else you got, Jark? Um, if there are any other, this is just a general question. I wasn't sure um, if there was anything out there yet about uh, what's going on with the November Saudi show. If like if there were any ideas, any themes for it or anything. I just I I was completely in the dark on that. This was super confusing on on the call. Uh, basically, they said that their um, their their financial uh, projections, which will be record breaking, are uh, are the, the profit projection adjusted to EBITDA is ten to twenty million dollars, dependent on the live event, the November event in Saudi Arabia, and a media rights deal. It sounds like a TV deal that they're going to get uh, through the Saudi government. So that's, but it depends on quote unquote engagement metrics. I have no idea what that means. That was not really explained, but it depends on some sort of engagement metrics in the region, whether that means attendance or viewership or some kind of online metric. I have no idea. Was it a Saudi only network? I didn't. No idea. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't name a network. Well, the one they dropped or the OSN. Yeah, that's that's throughout the Middle East, though, right? That was my understanding. Yes. So I mean, they're losing markets like Yemen and and, and Jordan and maybe even Egypt. If that would be they refer to this region not just as Saudi Arabia but M E N A Middle East North Africa. So I don't, but, but, yeah, they, so. but because they didn't name a network, uh, I we can't like look up the network and, and see what regions it covers. So I I I guess we'll learn eventually. We'll we'll, we'll know probably. Um, they may put out a press release sometime in Q four or if. Or if nothing else, in February when the Q4 report comes out, we'll find out what the hell is going on. But was there any talks? Like, did anybody bring up the another like show super showdown that's not in Saudi Arabia? Because remember they did the one in Australia last year, and I think yeah. you put the numbers in there yeah. uh, no. in the chart, and they weren't in there. That no. was just Saudi but we, but we know that um, because there's. Fifty some odd million dollars in the other media segment that uh, that includes the Saudi money in, in uh, quarters that don't have Saudi Arabia events. That segment is like nine, ten million dollars. So 
to make a long story short, I, I, I don't like to like talk about numbers and math. I think that's boring on audio, yeah. but like my estimate is like greatest Royal rumble, $50 million, uh, crown jewel, I don't know, 40 to $55 million. Um, this last one, I would guess I, uh, you know, guessed originally 30 to $60 million. It's certainly less than $60 million because this segment only had like $53 million reported yeah. in it. Um, but yeah, around $40 million, I would guess, give or take 10 million. I, I'm intrigued that like, if, is this going to be a trend where they'll make deals with other like, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, too. like areas like that. Like, I mean, like an African country where they, you know, yeah. can, uh, well, if they have money to do it, I, I don't know that, that there are a ton of other countries that a have the money and B, I think the reason why Saudi Arabia is doing this is because they want to have a wrestling show on, have a, you know, a public event on, on something like WB's programming, W network that, that shows, I mean, you guys have probably watched the show. And I think the, the point is for you to sit down there, Americans or Western people or whoever to sit down there and watch it and say, Hey, look, this is an event in Saudi Arabia. These people look like normal people. Maybe Saudi Arabia isn't that bad of a country. It looks like a wrestling show that I would go to and it would be okay and fun. So, you know, maybe when I hear all these stories about, you know, Jamal Khashoggi being, being lured and murdered in, in Turkey and, you know, they're, they're bombing civilians in Yemen and they're doing, you know, they're imprisoning and executing their citizens and women and things like this. Maybe, maybe it's not that bad of a country. It looks like a normal place to me in this, you know, three hours of a terrible wrestling show. It's, well, no, it, no, it's, it's funny. It, you know, it, it's funny that you say that because a lot of that was some of the meaning behind Collision in Korea originally. Mm-hmm. You know when it, when they made that deal with Ayanoki was like a very similar situation. Although that was a one time, yeah. two day thing. Could you imagine WWE Collision in Korea two point? Oh my god! I it, it's not as far fetched as you think. No, it's, it's not. really it's not. <laughs> it's really not as far fetched as you think. But North Korea would have that money. I'm thinking to like, put on that. I'm thinking like Iran. Like if it were to happen, the next country to be like that, just because they seem like in a similar type of situation. Like Saudis probably wouldn't be happy about that. That's true. That's very true. No, I don't, I, I don't expect this to be something that happens with other countries. I think this is a, I don't know. I, I, I'm not an international expert as far as like, who are the rich countries? But, you know, I think Saudi Arabia is a, the royal family is pretty rich. And it also probably has to be like an authoritarian regime, I always assume, because I can't imagine, um, like a, a parliament or a diet out there wanting to, fund uh no because no, what's, what's, the, what's the benefit just come here and do a show if you want to do a show yeah yeah and then pay you know the venue and this and that where this is just a, it's a bought show yeah it's like an indie running a county fair and it's, it's multiples of a wrestlemania gate you know well, that's why they're, they're they're way overpaying they're dumping tens of millions of dollars at a time into this for for what for a public image being broadcast worldwide and that's why the names they're putting on there and yeah. the dream matches, you hear yeah. like they're going to actually try to do Taker and Sting like at one of these things. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just got questions. We were also like the, before we started recording, we we're talking about like the details of the other like tiers that there's yeah. potential. I'm glad you brought this up because I want to talk about this too. Uh huh. Um, like I, it seemed like from what I've heard that like one of the main things would be to uh, the next tier would include things like ICW, WXW, um, Progress, like more some of the more international ones. 
I would think anybody that they have a working relationship with. So here's a, I, I kind of want to break down projections of the tiers and stuff like that. So they're saying free. So there's going to be, you don't have to have a network network subscription to watch some of this stuff. What that will be, I don't know if it will just be like maybe some older pay per views. Like, hey, you can download the WWE Network app and you'll have access to, you know, all the you know pay per views from the two thousands or nineties or whatever. Or will it be like maybe the free tier will be two hundred five live and NXT? Yeah, I heard it speculated that. To uh to counter program AEW NXT goes on the free tier, so you don't even have to be a subscriber to have your attention diverted from. That AEW. would make a lot of sense. NXT and then probably two hundred five live, um, any and NXT UK. I would imagine you know, and then you hear these rumblings that NXT Japan is is being met yeah. with and 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 all Someone that. So. Dragon Gate, I heard rumors. Dragon Gate and Stardom, but I mean mm-hmm. that's but who knows? You know, that's all rumblings and you know. But so I feel like you you go okay. Your free tier will be all our secondary programming that like if we put it on cable, it'd be basically free for anyways other than your cable subscription. So I think like that, and then I think like oh, so for you guys who really want to watch like a WWE from nineteen ninety two, you pay the ten dollars a month. Yeah. Then what goes on a premium tier? I think that's the indie shows mm-hmm. and the special events. Like so, I think the pay per views will probably be on a ten dollar a month. But if they do like. The stuff they did in Japan where Brock came back or the the, the Shield last special or any of those where they're going to do a house. They're airing a house show from what, yeah. Cleveland or something? I can't remember. Uh, Nashville. Nashville. Yeah. I'm sorry. They're airing Smackville. A house, yeah. They're, they're airing a house show from Nashville. I think that on top of the indie shows would probably be a $14.99 tier. I don't think they can go to $19.99. I oh, get no. that somehow, some way they think they're in the same perspective in UFC in that. UFC does very successful. Is that what ESPN Plus is? No, because you have to buy it. No, so UFC Fight Pass is separate. And UFC Fight Pass, what's beautiful about that is... is There's nothing on Fight Pass except for a library now, right? Well, it's live events, but it's not just UFC. Mm. They've basically made a deal with all these other... But not just MMA promotions. Like They have Glory Kickboxing. Mm. And they have... I think they even have boxing, regular Mm. boxing on there. So they've made deals with other types of genres, too. Mm. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if... You know, the, the, you never know the way Vince is. It, it puts the XFL on the, the freaking, uh, you know, on on the network on a tier. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but, but yeah. So, I I'm just trying to predict on what that tier. I don't think they can go more than fourteen ninety nine. No, I don't. I wouldn't. I'd would be very surprised if if it was higher. Than I that. mean, Netflix is beginning a lot of flack for going for being at that price yeah. right now and dropping program left and right. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I had was um, there was a, the rise in video views this last quarter. I'm wondering how much that had to do with the 24/7 championship. Like, no. just <laughs> I, I'm making a face right now. I don't, I don't think so. Why, what's your, what's your, how, just how, why? Everything was, isn't it based off of like YouTube videos and things like most that? of that? Most of that stuff is not on the actual shows. A lot is of it, in in like the stuff that you did at San Diego Comic Con, where our truth was on the IGN show, and and they tried to pin them and stuff like that, like Hurricane and um, so I was gonna call Rockstar Spud, but Drake Maverick tried to pin him and all that, and they do a lot of it. There's still some on TV, but they do a lot of it on like Facebook too. 
Yeah. Like Facebook, like you'll get WWE's Facebook will we'll put on a Friday. Like what happened when our true tried to get on the plane? <laughs> and then it's like Drake Maverick trying to pin him. Yeah. And all that stuff is counted. But like I said, I think, I honestly think a lot of it has to do with the decline interest in someone wanting to invest two to three hours to watch it on TV. And, and then say, you know what? No, I'm just going to see what happened and just watch YouTube clips like I do. Mm-hmm. It's not saying I don't want to watch the product. I just don't have time to invest three hours. In today's world, it's hard to do that. I don't either anymore. That's why I don't watch it. I haven't watched it regularly in years. Mm-hmm. But if it was really good, would you watch it? Or is it just, is it, is it, is it not a, is it less of a factor that of, of what you perceive the quality of the product to be? Or is it just like your time is in so much demand that you don't watch it? I think I have to give my time to certain things. So it's interest, yes. Yeah. So I don't have time to invest in three hours in watching a Raw. Do I have three hours separately to watch? I like to keep up on Arrow, Flash, those shows. I have time for that. It's all separate things I'm interested in. And I'm interested in the story 100%. If I miss a Raw, I can go on YouTube or somebody will tell me everything. My coworker is not going to really be able to tell me what happened in Arrow last night. Maybe, but rarely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a little bit of both for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, my buddy had his sling account for a little bit at my house, and I sometimes would put on. And you were pirating it. More, I don't know, sharing a password, I guess, okay. or login. Okay. But, uh, I won't tell the F- FBI. They're oh, not Thank listening. you. Yes. We, we can just cut this out. Mm-hmm. Be safe. Okay, go on. But, um, I, I would put on Raw and it just, I would just try, I would try to watch it, but there was just nothing that could really, that really hooked me into it to want to keep watching it and, uh, wanting to, uh, try to find another way to get it you know keep watching it after i didn't have access to it anymore mm-hmm. so and it's also a time thing just you know my how my life has been structured as of the last few years um do you watch the pay-per-views live the major ones i have not in a while no no i still i still watch the pay-per-views live um it rumble like the, the big it, ones but i'll give it the guys for the royal rumble or okay. wrestlemania i'm usually in the city now, uh, okay. or wherever it's happening. But yeah, I, I gotta say, I don't watch a lot of them live. If it's kind of a cool concept or something like that or a match, but it, and once again, it's, it's not always a, you know, saying it's WWE, like it's cause of WWE, but like a Sunday night where I bed bookings all weekend long. Yeah. Do I want to invest my seven to 11 o'clock? <laughs> Sometimes six to eleven. Yeah, yeah. Um, WrestleMania was like five to midnight or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it's it was crazy. Like I was driving home from from there and just had it had it on because we left that Sunday. We were just watching it on the dashboard, mm-hmm. like through a whole drive from New York City to Buffalo. Did you watch the Raw reunion? No, I watched clips on YouTube. Somebody Austin's promo was touted like this great thing, and I'm like. It was not a nostalgic crystal. Promo. Not impressed. It's not that I'm not impressed, but like some of the articles that would be written by these websites were like it was the greatest promo of his career. Crystal was not impressed. Stone Cold. <laughs> well, actually, you know, this is this is a popular podcast. This is going to give me heat. <laughs> um, no, um, but no one is no. I have like no, but that's the thing. Like all these these web websites were like it was the greatest promo of his career. So if that garnered my interest. I have mm-hmm. to watch all the clips from last. So you watch it on YouTube. Okay. Watch on YouTube. Yeah. 
will you watch SmackDown when it debuts on Fox in October? The first, at least the first show, yes. Yeah. Uh, I probably will, depending what's... And they'll probably load it up with something. I have antenna, so it's... I don't have an excuse. Yeah. I will probably... I mean, yeah. I, I, um... I don't really watch Raw or SmackDown. I come home and I catch the the tail end of it sometimes at the end of training. But uh, yeah, I will I, on a Friday night. Sure, yeah, I, I will most definitely watch the debut of, of SmackDown on Fox. And, um, in the last year, I've watched Ring of Honor more at on Sunday mornings at eleven o'clock than I have WWE, just because it's so easy to get to. And then um, my it's usually just me and my daughter in the morning, and she huh. can she'll watch it too with me a little bit. Yeah, and. Um, I actually watch your age demographic there too for them. Yeah, yeah, and um, I watch MLW actually on YouTube more oh. frequently just okay. because it's something different. MLW is because it's right Saturday morning. The whole Friday show is up there. Uh huh. And, and I do. I was. I have it in a few weeks. Was watching that every Saturday morning. But I'm, I'm one of those guys. I've been watching a lot of 1995 USWA. Like that's what I watch every week lately. Yeah. Like I've been going through that. Will you watch AEW's debut on TNT? Of, yes. Of course. <laughs> of course okay. I'm going to. Okay. I, 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 to be optimistic, I think there are a lot of people like like you two and like me who would consider themselves big wrestling fans, but just don't watch. I don't, I don't watch Raw and SmackDown. I don't, I don't think you look at the viewership of Raw and SmackDown and you, tell, and you should tell yourself, oh, yeah, there's, there's only two to three million wrestling fans in the United States. There's not. There's way more. Yeah. I think it's a lot of the relatability for, for at least guys like us, like. For me, I don't know, maybe I just relate more to a company like AEW, like my interest in it, because like it's still to me as an independent feel. Like I love independent wrestling. I think if you really want to know my interest lately, it's been independent wrestling. I'll watch beyond almost every Wednesday. That's my I next can. question. Are you watching Uncharted Territory? I am watching Uncharted Territory, yes. Yeah. Um, if I can't watch it live because I'm closing at work, I'm watching it uh-huh. later on that night. Um I did watch the Evolve special on the network. Uh-huh. Uh, so I watched some of the other stuff that, that independent wrestling TV has or some of the Power Slam stuff. I haven't watched a lot of stuff on Power Slam. But, um, but yeah, I think for me, is my general interest has been the independent wrestling, but it's that connection. It's honestly seeing guys I love get opportunities and do cool things. And the thing about AEW, like... I know some of those people. I've been right. on shows with a lot of those people. It's yeah. just for cool. people we've worked with personally. It's just with. cool yeah. to see. Like, yeah. and not that I mean, I know a couple people up there WWE, but like, I don't know. It's just not the relatability of like I'm happy and proud of those people. So I want to watch and you know, I for 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 uh, AW uh, not fight for the was it for, no fighter fest. Like, I really wanted to watch Janelle and Moxley. Not just hey, it's Janelle and Moxley, but being somebody that. I, I've I've met both of those individuals. A friend of a friend, a friend of a friend of one, and then I've gotten to work for Joey for um, spring break, and he's just a fun dude. Mm-hmm. Like I was just I had, I had that general human interest on that match. Mm-hmm. Like and I have it. I have a general human interest to watch you, Brandon. I'm beyond. Oh, thank you. As well, the brother Buffalo guys. I don't really have a general human interest. To watch Drake Maverick and our truth fight for the twenty four seven title, you know, mm-hmm. but that's me personally. Mm-hmm. But I think too, I think the reason I I don't know, I just think independent wrestling lately has had that grassroots feel, and I think a lot of people 
even the fans, the fans find themselves connected to those people. Like, I saw this guy in a fire hall. Now he's going to be on TNT. Yeah. I don't know. In terms it's of... It's not a large number of people, but... Yeah. In terms of my interest, like, what... In terms of what I might start streaming going forward, uh, this is a kind of a funny story. Uh, a couple weeks ago, my buddy came up from... He lives in Virginia, and he came up, and we were hanging out, and he put on Botchamania, and we were watching it at my house. And... Uh, my my wife, my my two year two year old daughter were hanging out with us, and on came Dragon Dragon, and my daughter, not really paying that much attention, just perks up, and she starts going Dragon Dragon Dragon, pointing at the screen, runs up to the screen. Dragon, oh, how old Dragon? is your daughter? Two years old, and she just went like bonkers for it, and I'm like, this is awesome. My my daughter is super invested in wrestling for the next you know minute or so that it, that's on here, and after. Like after my buddy left, I go. I'm like thinking, should I cancel the network and get the Chikara streaming service just so that my daughter can can watch wrestling with me? And then my wife is like, I would do that with you too. That era, <laughs> that <laughs> era is really good too. Like just on a side note, like you got low ice creams like for the car- over cartoony top, top over the top. But Dragon Dragon was part of a team of it was just all dragons, <laughs> and it was retail dragon. And American Dragon Brian. <laughs> so, so I mean, I never, you know, three years ago before she was born, I never would have thought I would be think, like experiencing or thinking about this before. And now I'm that's where I'm at at the point now in terms of my wrestling viewing. Well, and I think a lot of mine is, is like with, you know, with being married. It's hard for me to sit down and watch a three hour TV show being a married yeah. man. My wife goes to bed at that point. I'll put on, like I said, independent wrestling TV or maybe I'll just you know put on I and mean, that's the thing too she knows some of these guys so like it's a lot easier to sell her on like hey listen do you mind if i just watch this you know brandon thurston match on beyond than saying like hey can i sit here and watch raw that's a good yeah it's a lot easier selling point so or what i started also doing once in a while is if my my wife is going to like going to sleep early for some reason and you know i'm sitting in bed I'll put on Twitch and I'll stream like a triple A match, like whatever's on the triple A channel or what's other on the impact channel. Pluto has had a triple yeah. A and an impact channel. I'll put that on sometimes. Pluto TV. It's triple A on Pluto now too. Yes. Wow. Triple A is on Pluto. It's a lot of 2003 to 2005 events. What? They, okay. They, it's, it's old stuff. Yeah. They yeah, aired okay. the one that they did in Japan. Okay. Which was very weird. Like Leonardo Spanky and like all oh. those good moments. So. Okay. Any other questions? We, that we have a mailbag. Yeah, let's go through the mailbag. Let's. Uh, how about we'll have you guys like take turns reading the questions, and I'll, right. I will try to answer them. So here, Jarka, start with w- William asked four questions. We'll uh, we'll see what we can do here. Uh, William Fitzpatrick at Fitzpatrick fourteen um, has WWE overpriced themselves in the domestic market, leading to the loss of consumers. Tickets? I think it's what he means. Tickets? Yeah. Yeah, probably. We, we can, let's take it that way. Have they overpriced themselves for tickets? Um, Maybe as in terms of why their live shows, you know, shows are going and are declining. Maybe the price, the tickets are too expensive. That's not my. It is true that average ticket prices have increased over time over the last several years. Um, that could be a factor. I think the far larger factor is that. More and more fans are more and more aware of how important and not important the various event types are. By that I mean more and more fans are aware that house shows don't matter, T 
TV matters, pay-per-views matter more. Um, and, and at the same time, the, the product has become less popular for a lot of reasons. And I think that more than rising ticket prices are what are what is what is driving the declining attendance. Um, I think also what's driving the average ticket price going up is that the peak events are more and more interesting, right? So WrestleMania still sells out and is a huge event. Um, maybe SummerSlam and big events, they sell out quickly, right? Because people know that those events matter a lot and they make entire weekends out of them, especially WrestleMania. So there's a lot of... So you're not just... Fans are not just competing with other fans in their own market for the big high-demand events like WrestleMania. They're competing with fans all around the world who basically make a vacation weekend out of it. Uh, how was the bar- Barrios bingo during the press announcement? Uh, Bar- George Barrios, it's my speculation, has been shamed by WrestleNomics into uh, using less buzzwords. Um, so he is, he's been doing a lot better since when we first started this as, as far as using nonsense buzzwords. Who will, I think who we do need to create a, a, a bingo card for, though, more so on this call, was Vince McMahon with all his mentions of that notwithstanding and things of that nature and, quite mm-hmm. frankly, and into the weeds and blood and guts and gore, gore and violent crap. All that violent crap. So my follow-up question is, who do you think is listening to WrestleNomics within the WB front office? Um, I don't know. I would be mildly surprised if like people whose names I recognize actually listened to have ever listened to an episode of WrestleNomics. Um, I think I've been told that there was like somebody in marketing or some something who supposedly listens to our show. Um, I mean, I, I there's probably people in WWE who are employees of WWE who've who've taken interest in it, but um, maybe there's a couple wrestlers beyond like the level of wrestler that I'm at that m- maybe listen to it. But uh, no, I I mean I I know what our numbers are. It's not like we do you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of views, you know, or mm-hmm. downloads or whatever. No, I I mean I don't. I don't think there are a ton of people of like relevance in the wrestling business who listen to this. I mean, we all know, you know Mookie got hired by AEW. It wasn't because Tony Khan or Cody Rhodes was listening to the show. It's for other reasons. So, With the new creative hires for both Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, Heyman and Bischoff, yeah. Is Vince stepping back to focus more on the XFL due to the pressures of the NFL and by proxy uh, what AEW is doing to both of his investments at this time? What are both of his investments? Uh, XFL and WWE. AEW is doing something to XFL. I, Maybe I, take away, to, uh, make taking away attention from the XFL, so we can focus more on WWE. Oh, they're talking about the conspiracy theory. Wait, there's a conspiracy theory. Yes, there's a conspiracy theory that this is just a conspiracy theory. Maybe this is not the show. Just a theory. This is a conspiracy theory that the NFL. When the idea was brought up, the NFL totally 100% backed Khan of owning a wrestling promotion to, to give it to Vince McMahon. <laughs> like, like the NFL's like, yes, you got to do this. That's can, what it's about. <laughs> like, <laughs> just trying to screw with me. Roger, <laughs> see Roger Goodell and Jerry Jones teaming up like, go get him, Tony. <laughs> I knew it. 
There is there um, is that conspiracy theory. I love that. I I'll, love I'll, it. I'll take this. Like, why why are Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff now in the position, positions that they're in? I think it has a lot to do with the uh, various declining business metrics in W's business. And uh, Vince McMahon tried to explain it away in Q1 and say, hey, it's just talent absences. It's not talent absences. Um, so he had to do something else to appease investors and to show that he's doing something to address the, the, the declines in attendance, W network subscribers, television ratings. And uh, this was, and, and there may be other factors to it besides, I don't know. This is, this is purely speculation. This is all I can do. Um, so that was his, his answer was to bring in Paul Heyman and, and Eric Bischoff. I mean, and Bischoff, <laughs> Bischoff makes a lot of sense because he has a lot of experience working with networks, not just from WCW time, but even with his other projects afterwards. That is a thing that makes sense. The, the Heyman thing, you know, I imagine the USA relationship with WWE is already pretty, I mean, for the most part, pretty solid, I would say. So for him, it's definitely more about on-screen, you know, what ha- happenings. I would imagine. But, I yeah. mean, we're just we're just you know speculating at this point. Well, you hear that Vince doesn't know modern things. Like right. Vince is out of touch. So like when Vince thinks like I oh who are the people that to change the wrestling business other than me, and then he just goes to those two. Like he he, he has a son in law that seems to be doing all right. But uh, yeah, but, but no, I mean, yeah. I'm like I'm, I'm firmly of the belief that what would need what would need to be done to. Uh, to turn around many of their business metrics that are in the decline is uh, to do a lot of things that, that Vince McMahon is not capable of. He need, he would need to completely remove himself from the creative process. It's never going to happen. So we're just waiting around. You know, uh, Moxley said in the one interview, he's going to die in the chair. Everybody knows that. So we're just waiting for a day where Vince McMahon, uh, you know, doesn't... Uh, you know, want to do this anymore? That's never going to happen. But uh, eventually, there will be a day where he's not the guy who makes all the decisions. So maybe then something will change. Do you ever wonder how, like, how backwards you like you think Vince is with pop culture? Like, you think like, ah, let's play with those pogs or something like that. Something like from like twenty five years <laughs> he ago. He doesn't know what a pog is. <laughs> That's slinky. All right, next next question. All right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right um, MK01. Said Barrios selling half his stock. Huge news or really huge news? I I, I know those form fours dropped that uh, showed that uh, Barrios, Stephanie, Vince, Kevin Dunn, I think Mark Cowell, who's uh, I think like an accounting officer. Uh, there there were uh, shares sold. I would really have to look into how how much. Stock was sold. I know that it's somebody said they, they sold half their stock. I honestly haven't looked into it a lot. Um, I, I think the, the question that I would want to know is like, is this just a normal amount? Have they sold similar amounts of their stock in the past? Barrios had a plan to uh, to sell a ton of his stock. He completed that plan. Um, I, I mean, like on it, on its surface, I don't really see this being that big of a deal. It sounds like this person thinks it is a really big deal. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think this is a huge deal. Um, it, it, I think I think Meltzer talked about it. I haven't listened to what Meltzer said about it. Um, I, I think like the 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 most alarming scenario is like, oh, they're selling their stock because they know that the stock is at its peak and it's never going to be higher than this for a long time, if ever. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would be really hesitant to to say that. 
do they have to disclose why they're selling their stock no. at all? I remember, I feel like a few years ago that Stephanie sold well, a whole bunch of her stock, and she she came out and said that she was building a new uh, house. That's what she was using it. I take that back. For. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know what the SEC rules are. But uh, like Vince sold a ton of stock, and and there there was a release that said he's using it to invest in Alpha Entertainment, mm-hmm. which is the the LLC behind the XFL. So maybe beyond a certain uh, a value, maybe they have to disclose some reason, or maybe it's just the the smart thing to do for your investors yeah. is to, to explain why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. You're selling a ton of stock here. What's going on? I, I... Uh, Sideswipe seventy had a reply to a comment you made. Uh, you brought up the fact that Laura Martin asked if investing in writers is the answer to the problem. She mentions more competition. At what point do you stop try, trying to get the ratings up because they can't go up? And Sideswipe70 asks, assuming this is a legit question from an analyst, at what point is the tipping point to stop trying to increase ratings? I think in WWE's KPIs, the key performance indicators, which you can find on their corporate website, the first page after the cover, is is a comparison of Raw's ratings in a year-over-year comparison, SmackDown's ratings, USA Network's ratings, and Top 25 Cable's ratings. And I think the thing to look at is how do how do Raw and SmackDown compare to the t- compare to the Top 25 rating? And if you're declining at a rate faster than that, uh, you're not doing well. If you're declining at a rate slower than that, or you're actually increasing. Uh, then you're doing a pretty good job. So I, th- I, th- I think that's the answer to that. Like you should, you should be alarmed. You should be concerned. Yeah, you should be concerned if your show is is declining uh, more quickly than the average rating of the top twenty five cable networks. And you're going on a major, a major network broadcast network. Yeah, which true. has canceled shows that have done sixes and sevens. So. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that slide has changed once they, they do start going on uh, on Fox, yeah. Um, Duke Love Wrestling, he has a question of, the WWE stocks rising... Duke. Duke, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I was a guest on Duke's podcast oh, okay. not not that long ago. He's, a, he's very pro-WWE. So go ahead, yes. Well, Duke said, the WWE stocks rising despite the quarter two numbers showing losses in key measurables. Is it safe to say that WWE has turned a corner as they suggested? It depends on what you mean by turning the corner. Have they turned the corner and, and like turned around all their metrics that have been in decline? Uh, YouTube views are have been turned around. <laughs> um, TV rights fees are going to be skyrocketing in Q4 because of guaranteed escalating TV rights fees. But um, uh, now, George Barrios did, did bring out the, uh, the Barriosonomics and he showed that declines in TV ratings slowed in month monthly comparisons year over year. And and he said that uh, viewership for July was actually up 2%, I think, for SmackDown. I don't know about Raw. Maybe, maybe Raw was up 2%. Um, so may, maybe, maybe those are, uh, maybe maybe the, the blood is uh, is is starting to, to stop. But uh, you still got attendance declining year over year. Uh, we still got merchandise declining year over year. We still got W network subscriptions declining year over year. But uh, this this business overall is uh, going to break its records for years to come because it is secured by the rights fees that they they get and they're going to get from Raw and SmackDown uh, for at least five years to come. 
Landon Wayne asks, how savvy is Sinclair with wrestling's various trends and statistics? How will they possibly react to the numbers, especially compared to the other non-WWE numbers? Will they react at all? I don't know, but I don't think Sinclair cares a lot about... I, th- I think they're really happy to have Ring of Honor and have it produce this content, and they, they get free content out of it. They get this TV show that they get to air on their stations every week, and it and it either makes them money, a little bit of money, or it loses only a little bit of money. So it's it's a really convenient way for them to get programming. And uh, I don't think that they're concerned about like Ring of Honor's place in the wider picture of the pro wrestling industry. It's always just seemed as like, hey, it's a fun, cool thing we own. Yeah. Like it, it never to me seemed because. They have a lot of money behind them, and they have a lot more network presence than they put behind Ring of Honor. Like, I mean, you have the syndications, and then it was, I don't even know if it's on Comet TV anymore, but it was on Comet TV for a little bit, which is really uh, a J- channel. Jarka is the expert which on It's really a channel that mostly just airs Godzilla movies and Mr. Yeah, Sensei 3000. Um, I've seen it on Charge and Stadium within the last like, couple months. Jarka I is forgot the about expert Stadium. on those over the air channels that no I, one watches. I did in forget about America. Stadium, which Stadium it do- isn't over the air broadcast the tenant channel and also on available on like pluto tv yeah. and all those streamings and they also have world of sport um yeah okay ITV, they, there's the, a block, the new world yeah. sport yeah like a ring of honor and a world of world sport, sport yeah. on okay. sunday nights so i did forget about stadium but still i feel like not the presence that if they really want to put money in if they really want to bring about or be this like giant thing I don't know if it would compete with WWE, but it could blow. You look at those numbers. Even Impact is still a more popular brand. They could blow Impact out of the water if they really put money behind it. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 